Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam. Raised by Earl. Molded by the magnificent roller coaster ride that is Houston Sports. Chill H Town for the only homegrown afternoon team is talking your teams. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A team. Straight up 3 o'clock. What's up, Houston, Texas? It is a Monday edition of the A-Team here on Sports Talk 790. Wex, AC, Joe George with you here in studio for the first of three straight days on a holiday week here on Sports Talk 790. Wow, that was an abrupt ending to the intro music, Joe. Um, Look, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I knew it was going to happen at some point. It finally did. It did not disappoint. Lovey Smith finally cracked yesterday, as only Lovey Smith can. And it's not, you know, when you talk about head coaches cracking, we think about the famous ones of all time, you know, Denny Green or Nick Saban every once in a while will go off. I don't know. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Bob Knight. Lovey Smith is going to be about as polite as possible. And this moment, this moment yesterday and a little bit more today, but mostly yesterday, his exchange with Brian T. Smith, who's going to be on the show with us uh, in the 5 o'clock hour, was exactly why I told you, Wex, that Lovey Smith was the guy I was looking forward to for a season like this because he's about as pleasant as you're going to get with a dog lick football team, and that's what you've got here in Houston. If you ever wondered why I love this show, it's because you never know what's coming. spent my day yesterday in that press conference you're talking about, and that was almost exactly 24 hours ago, about 23 hours and 30 minutes ago. And not once did the thought that was brought up in the very first <laughs> comment from Adam Clanton, did that cross my mind? What, that I would say he snapped? Yeah. Or cracked? Like, I'm going to think, I'm, I'm trying to think of a number. Joe, I'm not telling you what this number has anything to do with, but just give me one. Eight. Okay, I'm thinking maybe in the 300s. If we ranked the top 500 coaches' rants, I think Lovey would maybe get a mention if we went as deep as but 300. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying he ranted because he didn't. Right, but in whom you referenced the yeah, comparisons well, to. I, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Yeah, but that, that's the point. <laughs> no, you it, should say that's what I'm saying. It makes my point, though, it just, it's, that he's so nice. He's the he's, he's got in a position, fatherly demeanor. What he, what he was in yesterday was the un- inevitable... 
it was going to happen at some point because he's been outfitted with a team that doesn't have any talent. That's the word, inevitable. And he is the only person that talks about it. And I'm not saying every other GM we- meets with the media weekly because they don't. So the one here doesn't need to either. But, you know, it's his decision on who to play. It, very little else is the head coach's decision in terms of why is this franchise where they is. The franchise doesn't stink because Lovey Smith is a bad NFL coach or a bad NFL defensive coordinator even though he might be both. Uh, that's not why they are where they are. And I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that's not relevant. Uh, what's relevant is uh, they had a team that uh, certainly was capable of maintaining some sort of reasonable competitive level, but through terrible decision-making from their owner, terrible decision-making with who he put underneath him and the power he allowed for those to have, uh, he turned to uh, what I'm shocked we never get into. And, you know, I sent out that tweet yesterday with the exchange between Brian T. and Lovey, since it was so easy, Smith versus Smith here at Texans today. You couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Yes, it was way too easy. But the responses to it were both uh, entertaining and, unfortunately, after going through most all of it, a little bit disappointing and i want to let you guys hear how different people responded to it we're obviously going to play the sound for you here plus today's sound because brian t was in attendance at press conference today he'll be with us at five and he obviously asked him a question today is very different back and forth a very simple one Mm -hmm. but my point is he's just standing there it's right after a game he knows they got their teeth kicked in they didn't coach poorly per se They got manhandled, literally. This is a game of football. They got pushed around. They got literally manhandled. Go back and look at the marquee uh, viral play from the game from this weekend. And yeah, it's going to be singling out Kenyon Green. But that is literally in the dictionary of NFL offensive and defensive line play uh, from our show earlier today in the trenches. That's getting manhandled. You have 50, 60 snaps in a game. That play can't work. Because one of your players got manhandled, and that has nothing to do with Lovey Smith. It really doesn't even have anything to do with George Warhop, uh, per se, uh, as the offensive line coach. But I do think things will get better uh, in, in that area. But it's the same thing. Now we actually have seen it on a couple of occasions. You know, there's some games where you could cite progress, and you could look at this. And progress for, well, what could they be? Not progress, they, hey, they won six games. Progress to... Can you believe in what you're seeing? Can you see something down the road? And then they've had a couple of games that have totally gone the other direction. And both of them have been rather recent. And that's what is most disturbing. Losing all your games is fine. Now, recognizing where this team is, that's what most of the responses are. I don't know why there's so much. Uh, into, why are you asking questions like this? Why do, Doesn't everybody know they're going to be terrible? Yeah, we know that. We got it. But there's a disconnect between what happens inside an NFL franchise, I think, between what we can sit here and talk about as outsiders, what you guys can call us in and talk about as outsiders, and what fans in the stadium and what fans on social media as outsiders can contemplate about what takes place inside the building. There haven't been any and there won't be any meetings between Nick Casario and Lovey Smith where Nick says, we want you to lose games. We all know that losing games is going to help the future of this franchise, even if Nick Casario is a terrible GM. He might actually luck into a few cornerstone players along the way. He might have already. Uh, But uh, other than that, uh, I'm not really sure why this entire discussion, which will all get pointed at uh, the Smiths and Lovey and Davis and Kyle. Oh, the name Nick should be at the front of all of this. The biggest pass ever 
because of what everybody believes was the disaster that preceded him. But I think we're going to find out, if you didn't know already, the difference between Charlie Weiss and Bill O'Brien and Josh McDaniel and Eric Mangini and Dave Ziegler now in Vegas and Nick Casario here in Houston is nothing. If you worked with Bill Belichick, then you're going to be bad at your next job. That's okay. I know this is probably contrary to what everybody's thinking right now that's listening. I still think it might be too early to say that about Nick Casario specifically. I I mean, because of what he inherited. I agree with the premise of what you're saying. And the names you listed, absolutely. Um, I just don't know if it's too early to say something like that when he hasn't even chosen his franchise quarterback yet. Yeah, he didn't... Although he has chosen a quarterback. Which, again, I don't even think that was a bad deal even today. Even this many days, years, and games later for Davis Mills since he was a third-round pick. Yeah. Uh, you got to have a plan. you got to believe in your system of scouting. you got to believe in what you think uh, builds a good football team. And I don't know what that is for Casera. I know what he thinks about culture, and I know that he doesn't understand it completely in the NFL. And I keep going to the dumbest saying ever because I can't believe he needs to hear it. You, you can't have culture if you don't win. You just can't. It doesn't work that way. You can't have good culture for teams. Jacksonville's culture is terrible. It's getting better. You know why? Because they're not an embarrassing team like they were last year. And everywhere, Cleveland's culture for a decade, awful. You know why? Because they don't win. It's not because Hugh Jackson's a bad coach, even though he is. It's because they don't win. It's because they weren't outfitted with any talent. And then they started putting talent on the field. And then Baker Mayfield all of a sudden was quarterbacking a playoff team. Guess what was wrong with their culture then? Nothing. Then they didn't play as well. Guess what was wrong with their culture? It was bad because they weren't winning anymore. If you can't, and so the idea that you're building the culture first right. is ludicrous. I mean, yeah, I, I get, I mean, that's fair to say, but there is such a thing as bad culture. Like, you can have bad culture in, in a winning organization. Who has times. the worst culture in the NFL? The 32 teams. Texans probably do right now. For the purposes of today's discussion, yes. I might, and, and you I might, cannot vote for yourself, Joe. Okay, then, even though they won this weekend, I'm going to say the Raiders. Because so the Raiders, who were in the playoffs last year, but they under fired, a different head coach uh, yeah. and a different general manager, yeah. now with the almost identical locker room, yeah. even mm-hmm. though they've actually weeded out some poorer players while bringing in Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. now this three-win team has bad culture. I mean, I, I don't even Why know who that? the other options would be. Because they don't win. But I think you can have a good culture without winning. I don't. I actually don't think anything's wrong with their culture. I just think they have a bad head coach. So that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. But what Joe is saying is what I'm, I'm trying to say, too. Like, I, I think you can have a good culture and not be a win. I mean... But you have to... you got to show... you got to show something to your team. Right. You don't have a bad culture in Chicago because you got a quarterback. you got a bad culture in Detroit because you believe in your coach. The Rockets don't have a bad culture because they believe in their talent. You know you have no talent. You know you have no skill. You know you have no chance to win a football game. You're a loser franchise, and you got no shot to win a game. Any given Sunday does not apply unless the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the other side of the field. And this is why what took place yesterday took place. 
when you send out there the the we think we're close, we're about to get over the hump, and you can win any any week. And Lovey's not making changes. And again, it, it is different in the NFL, and that should be recognized. Uh, there's really the only way to change your team. You, you can't change the tight end and have that make a difference. You can't change your wide receiver. You can't change your corner. You can't change a linebacker. You can't change your interior defensive lineman. You, you can change your quarterback, and it's not always their fault. It's not absolutely not the remedy to the situation. And I don't know if you guys know this or not. I kind of like numbers. And you guys are (laughs) not going to like them when I give them to you. uh, When we talk about the possibility that uh, Mr. Allen is going to be the new Texans starting quarterback soon. So we will give you what was in the postgame podium yesterday between Smith versus Smith. We've got a recap today's Smith plus Smith. It was less uh, adversarial, so they were kind of together today. And we got the Mills Minute mm-hmm. coming up, which may be the last Mills Minute. And then anything of substance from either of the press conferences? Yes. The door is finally open. I think Lovey Smith, whether he intended to say it this way or didn't, he absolutely has said something extremely different about his starting quarterback. I believe in Davis Mills. Davis Mills gives us the best chance to win. We've heard that for all weeks of the regular season and all weeks of the off season, we did not hear that today. Let you hear his exact words on that to see if there is actually change in the future. And again, all of this taking place. I had a text exchange with somebody yesterday, and uh, my exact words seemed to actually fit perfectly with where we are in this discussion. So bring that to you as well. Michael Connor joins us at three thirty, as we mentioned. Brian T. Smith joins us at five o'clock. Our good, bad, and the ugly from the weekend. And if it hadn't already been time for it, with just a couple weeks left in the college football season, the Heisman Trophy ceremony in the future, uh, the idea that there are actually going to be, there is actually going to be some uh, indecision on who are the playoff teams, it's it's absolutely time to start looking at what's going to take place on April twenty seventh, twenty twenty three, in Kansas City, with the first pick in the NFL draft. Or if we watch NFL Network, it'll sound a little bit different. Oh, that's um, true. <laughs> On uh, hashtag Texans future QB watch. It has already been underway. We dive in a little bit deeper with the work from CJ Stroud and what lies ahead, Michigan. Bryce Young Mm. and what lies ahead. And what lies way, way, way further ahead, which might be the most important piece of information of all. Great to be with you to kick off our week on a Monday. Here on the 18th. Yeah, and it's great to be able to tell you, like we always do, what you can get into right now at Classic Chevy in Sugarland or Classic Chevy Highway 6. A new custom Silverado for $5.99 down and $5.99 a month with approved credit. Or they got great lease options right now, like $2.99 down and $2.99 a month with approved credit at the GM dealer of the year, 12 years running. That's Classic Chevy in Sugarland, the Highway 6 location open on Sundays like they were yesterday for your convenience. You can get into that new vehicle, you can relax and enjoy the difference, and you can see what they're all about and why they are different and why they get those kinds of awards year in and year out because they treat you differently. You can get a lifetime engine guarantee, a lifetime of car washes, and two years of free maintenance as well when you purchase that new vehicle from them. It's Classic Chevy in Sugarland and Classic Chevy Highway 6. Tell them Adam Clanton from Sports Talk 790 sent you into either location. 
Hey, this is Coach Silas. Is there anything that this man cannot do? The only person I cannot coach is Adam Clanton. Unbelievable! That guy is a loose cannon on Twitter. Back to the A-Team on Sports Talk 790, home of your Rockets. So let's go back to the beginning, Wex. And by the beginning, I mean the end of the game yesterday. Oh, I thought you meant the Texans select David Carr. I can't. <laughs> we could do. How long do you think it would take us? Well, just think about how many things would be different. I had a conversation with uh, Greg Rajan of the Chronicle yesterday over at Texans about that literal difference in how these drafts have worked out. Because our conversation began with the Texans screwed up again. They are bad in a bad year, it looks like. They're going to have the number one pick again, and for the every single time it's happened... They've screwed it up. Well, it's not they've screwed it up. They just keep doing it in the wrong year. Like, no, they, they drafted screwed it up. A, no, they haven't. Mario Williams shouldn't have been the number one pick. And if they would have taken Clowney somebody else... The number one yeah, pick. They, of course they should have. There was nobody... To, the whole point is, if there's not a franchise quarterback there, then they're... Then take the being, best player. No, then they're being bad in the wrong year. I'm not talking about oh, any of that other well, stuff. If you're going to be bad, the point is... Well, how do you fix it? You get a franchise quarterback. And they keep landing at the top of the draft in years where that's not an option. But look at the very first one, okay? And I'm yes, not saying... there was no franchise quarterback available exactly. in that draft. so don't take him. Just yeah, but like, that's not the point. It, it is the point, though. They, they could take the right player, because, and it doesn't matter. You don't have a franchise quarterback. Yeah, but you can... If you're taking the right players that aren't quarterbacks... If Khalil Mack was a career Texan, it would make absolutely no difference. Oh, well, let me finish what I'm saying. If you're taking the best players available before that and then you find said quarterback, then by the time he gets installed, you're going to have a very much better team around him. Again, I, I know what you're saying. I'm not really disputing that. My my comment is merely bad luck. They keep being bad preceding a draft where Andrew Luck's not on the board yeah, and Michael Vick's that. not on the board and things like that. Well, Michael Vick, was that rumor true? Can yes. we dispel this? Why? Well, I don't know if it's true or not. Which it, part? That if he just would have stayed a No, no, year? no. That he stayed on purpose because he didn't want to go to the Texans. That's what I heard. I'm not even kidding. He did not want to go play for that organization way back then. Well, that has nothing to do with the organization, does it's it? It's not the first. Yes. Really? No, because oh, this isn't the first time a quarterback has said, no, no, I don't no. want to play a certain place. That's that didn't different. Exist. Yeah, they hadn't done anything wrong. There was no bad. They were just an they expansion. They took the wrong no, no. player the very first pick. They, I'm not even talking about their real draft. They screwed up the expansion draft. They took Tony Baselli when they knew he had a bum shoulder, Dude, and that has been a pattern ever since. Wait, has relax. Nothing, but that, that has, has nothing, nothing to do, to do with, with this. Vick. Michael Vick was that was He's he a, was in college when that expansion draft happened. Like, he was avail. He was drafted in 2001 by the Falcons, the so he could have stayed and then gone to the Texans. He wanted to avoid that. Not because they were incompetent. Because they were an expansion team. Yeah, that's not that's not their fault. Because that's just... he was the number one pick and he left after he left after his junior year of college. Which a lot of players do. Like the the story is more had he not done that, mm -hmm. then the Texans would have been Michael Vick face the franchise and all that. How different would they would he have gotten into the dogfighting ring here? I don't think so. I don't think that Houstonians do that a lot. I don't know, though. I think that was a being closer to home thing. Kind of the re So it's funny you say that because the biggest reason, supposedly, 
again, going back to a seminal moment in Texans history, that the Texans brass didn't want to take Vince Young is because they didn't want to have all the hangers-on that bringing a local guy in would have been. So and why he didn't still the found a way to get in trouble. Again, that, uh, true or, or not true, it's it. just they're, they're about to land in a draft where there they, a franchise they may take. I mean, I'm not 100% sure, and that's for later in the show. But it's certainly not an obvious answer. It's certainly okay, not right a, a given. That's what I'm saying. If you don't have somebody at the top of the draft that's making you then say the opposite I, I just, of that, he's not the guy. Well, that, never, I'm just saying today. I'm saying today on November 21st, before we really evaluated him to the fullest extent, I just don't know that that's the case. I'm not. That doesn't mean I don't think Bryce Young is worthy of the top pick because today I do. And again, I think you guys sometimes misunderstand what I'm trying to say because I'm not saying wait around forever until the surefire guy is there. I'm saying because the Texans are where they are specifically from a talent deficiency standpoint, don't waste another pick like you basically did with the Davis Mills pick. But aren't you just going to say the same thing next year when they're just as bad? Like the last four but they're not going to be. They can't possibly be just as bad if they pick at the top of every round and nail it. I wish yeah, I agree well. With the you. second part was the and nail it. Let's 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 ease up on making but sure. But even if they that nail happens. it, they're not going to be good. <clears throat> like if they nail it, they're not going to have the number but, one pick though. But yeah, so they'll have exactly. So then you still can't take a quarterback. The last five drafts, Trevon Walker went number one, non-quarterback. The four before that, all quarterbacks. Uh, one of them will play in the playoffs with his team this year. One of them isn't on the team that drafted him. One of them is Kyler Murray, and one of them was on a team that had back-to-back number one picks, Trevor Lawrence. That's another question I have. It's not what are these every teams doing? Team, and Jared Goff went before that, and Winston went before that, because that's what you have to do. Yeah, and I realize that not every team that's at the top of the draft necessarily needs a franchise quarterback at the time, although most of them do. But, like, that's my question. Look at the draft that Deshaun and Pat Mahomes were in. Like, what, are the, what were the teams ahead of them doing if those players were that good and available? And I know we don't know that on draft night all the time. But, I mean, Rick Smith knew something about Deshaun Watson to trade up and get him. Yeah, but, like, there's a reason why they fell. Like, regard, like it's not like they went one, two, three. And, like, that's where it's even different, where it's, it's not like, like, let's say Jameis Winston or Mar- Mariota panned out and there would be an argument of who should have gone one or two. Like even even with the with the the draft class class with Fields and Lance and Lawrence, like Watson and Mahomes, they fell outside the top ten. So like it wasn't just it's not like the Texans got it wrong or the Bears got it wrong or the Jets got it wrong. Like all these other teams passed on these quarterbacks. Like and that just, to me shows why you can't wait forever because it's an inexact science. Like there's no way. Like there's no re- like it is revisionist history. If you try to claim that Patrick Mahomes was clearly the best quarterback in that class. Now, he's the best quarterback in the NFL, but no one thought that. Same thing with Josh Allen. He's the best. He's the second best quarterback in the NFL. The Jets got it right. When they took Sam Darnold, it was the right pick at the time. We all were proved wrong, but how many people thought a kid from Wyoming was going to be a superstar? So, like, you can't wait forever. It's about what you do with these guys. Like, if you think C.J. Stroud can be the guy and he's not, it's your fault. Like, it's the Bears' fault that Mitch Trubisky's not a good quarterback. They might have got it wrong. They also didn't develop him. So, like, if you're going to draft a quarterback, it's about what you put around them, the talent, the coaching. If they fail, it's your fault. Like, that's why you can't wait forever because at the end of the day, it's going to be your job to fix the problem they have. 
Interesting what's happening here where they've made minimal effort to find that franchise quarterback, but again, in a much shorter period of time because Deshaun Watson was here, remember, two years ago. They weren't in search of one. They had one. Uh, And what's happening in New York, number two overall pick in 2020, is a player who isn't good. He's actually terrible. He might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, not named Davis Mills. I said 2020. I meant 2021. Uh, Zach Wilson. He's just awful. I mean, it's they clearly have a talented team. Joe keeps saying the group that you put around him, they have talent. They have an excellent defense. They have excellent individual players on defense. They have multiple capable running backs, and one of them's hurt. And then they can go to Michael Carter, and then they traded for James Robinson. They have plenty of capable wide receivers, capable tight ends. Clearly, their offensive line is good enough, and this quarterback at least is athletic enough to extend plays. But in order to do what? To overthrow his receivers? He's so bad. To take no accountability for his exceptionally poor play, and eventually it's it's going to hit. I don't know if they're going to realize it before next year's uh, season begins, as in, Will they address it in the offseason or will they say, well, we drafted a number two. We got to give him another year because he's playing like he absolutely doesn't deserve it, which is literally what happened here. A player, though, drafted much later, very easy with no money, a committed. Davis Mills doesn't make any money. Uh, there's no commitment to David Mills from a financial standpoint, and he just hasn't played very well. Not that he's the reason they're awful. Not that he's the worst player on a team full of very, very good players. He fits right in with the talent level of this team. Very, very, very low. And that's why you can get beaten the way they did. It stuck with me most, in addition to the back and forth, uh, from Lovey yesterday, when he said, normally the scores aren't like that when you play the way we did today. He was saying, that should have been 52 to nothing. That's how badly they physically beat us that's how much more talent is on the other sideline we could not operate offensively that's like a high school game where they go running clock in the second half what the texans were doing in the first half three and out and punt two and out and interception for touchdown it was embarrassing and that's basically what he was saying which is why he was agitated i think he was already embarrassed from the performance and then the game just ended. Do you think I went into the locker room and told Davis Mills, you're not starting next week? Because, of course, he didn't. Remember when I was like, hey, this is the best chance they've got at a win? That was adorable, wasn't it? Well, what I was saying earlier about a text exchange, someone was saying, isn't it about time for Kyle Allen? And I said, well, if all goes well today, the Raiders will beat the Broncos. The Texans will have their two-game cushion in the standings. They will have one win, and everybody else will have at least three and it'll be time to, to maybe make a change because now they're even less concerned about catching anybody. <clears throat> if they can't win two more games, it's already over. They can't and win they only have games. one win. They can't win two more games. All right, uh, we'll switch gears a little bit in the next segment. We will talk to our Astros insider, Michael Connor, And we are definitely going to revisit the audio from yesterday and today as Lovey Smith had a little bit of an exchange with our 5 o'clock guest, Brian T. Smith of the Houston Chronicle, and then revisited... Uh, said topics today in his meeting with the media. So all that's still ahead here on a Monday edition of the A-Team. Here it does. The Houston Astros. Now for the Houston Astros. How about the Houston Astros? Now Astros insider Michael Cunner on Sports Talk 790. Home of your Astros. Here we go. go, go. I'm going to be real honest, Michael. I just want to say thank you on behalf of me. I'm not going to speak for the other two members of the show. 
that you're rescuing us from a little bit of Texans conversation after yesterday's you, debacle. I, I was going to come on and say I have insider information for the both of you today, and that is that Davis Mills is booty. <laughs> <laughs> booty? Is that a technical term? He's terrible, man. I, I, there's a few Davis Mills truthers still out there on the internet. Who? And I don't. There's still I still see people like tweeting crap and stuff all, and I'm like, what are you dumbs watching? Like, there's nothing about him that's good. You should never want to watch him play football again after this season. The real question, of course, during our baseball segment here is: Will any of the five former Astros ever find their way to Cooperstown? The 2023 Hall of Fame ballot was released today, and it was no surprise. Everybody knows who's going to be on the ballot for the most part. But there are five former Astros, and several have compelling. Hall of Fame cases, most notably, is a guy who the answer to that question for me would be yes, Billy Wagner. Wagner, Bobby Abreu, Carlos Beltran, Jeff Kent, and Andy Pettit, the five former Astros on this year's ballot. Are any of them ever going in? When you think of legendary Astros, you, of course, think of Bobby Abreu. Um, But I actually has a better case than most people think, but I don't think it's a Hall of Fame case. No, I'm with you. He's he's got a case, but it's definitely not a Hall of Fame case. It's it's the Hall of Very Good. Um, no, it, it's it's going to be Wagner for sure. I think at some point it's going to get in. Like I really do think we will get over the hump. What is this? Eight? Is this eight or nine for him? This is year eight, and he's eight, gone okay. from about a ten percent support level in year one, and his last season he got just a shade over fifty one percent. He and Scott Rowland on this year, or he, Todd Helton, and Scott Rowland uh, have had the most support among the holdovers that are on this year's ballot. Rowland about 63, Helton about 52, and Wagner 51 this year, and two more years, or else Wagner would be relegated to where Clemens, Bonds, and all those other guys are for the Veterans Committee vote. Do you think in the next three years, Wagner will get 23.8% better at baseball and get in? I, I, well, he's definitely not getting better baseball. I do think that voters will eventually start to throw him in just because I think we have a love and a fascination now with reliever numbers. And then when you go and look at his numbers compared to the greats in the game, like he's he's literally one of the greatest relievers to ever play the game. Like it's, it's pretty damn clear when you look at all the numbers. Um, don't even get me started, by the way, on Scott Rowland. That guy has no business being in the Hall of Fame. That's a joke that he's going to get in. And he's probably going to get in this year. Like he's he's the clear case of Hall of Very Good. He is not a Hall of Famer. And the other guy that's an Astro, like Carlos Beltran's a Hall of Famer. I'm interested to see how this all goes in the first year. Like he's going to have to wait years to get in, but he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Why? Just out of curiosity. Why is he going to have to wait? No, he is a zero-time MVP winner, also zero top three finishes. One of some gold gloves, some silver sluggers, multi-time all-star. Sits on 435 career home runs, a career 280 hitter with an 837 OPS over roughly 20 years. I just think there's a lot of guys that have comparable numbers that are in. And then I do think there was a good stretch of his career. Now, you could go and say, okay, like... That wasn't his entire career, but there was a good stretch there, and it really started with that Astro stretch where, like, he was one of the probably five best players in the game there. And injuries caught up to him in New York and everything. He probably didn't completely live up to that contract. But, I mean, for consistency and defensively early in his career and all those things, like, he, he put up a lot of numbers. And I know that they fell short of benchmark numbers in a lot of spots, but I just think that eventually he's a Hall of Famer. I tend to disagree, but we've got a long way to go on that as he's just arriving on the ballot. No real news on the Astros front from a signing standpoint, but I think the same names that remain out in the market appear to still be connected here. Are there some other teams that appear to be more 
in the mix for some of the elite pitchers like DeGrom, like Verlander, like Rodone that might help shape where things go and when? It, to me, the the wild card of all this is the Rangers, clearly. Like, how much are the Rangers going to spend and who are they going to spend it on? If they land Jacob DeGrom, that's going to th- throw this thing completely upside down. Um, that's going to send Verlander probably to the Mets or something like that. And if it's just the Rangers landing Radon, then, you know, maybe it doesn't go as crazy as we thought it was going to go. But I, I really think the key to the pitching market is, is the Rangers because they clearly – had this idea still that they're going to go out and spend money and be competitive all of a sudden when I'm just, Jacob Durham is awesome and they do have a few guys in their lineup that are pretty good. Does Jacob getting Jacob Degrom make them better than the Seattle Mariners? I don't think it's even, even a chance of that. Like I still think they're fighting with the, because health plays into all this. They got guys that get hurt all the time too. Like yeah, they're, just they're from, still in the they're still in the same area as the as the Angels. Just from a lineup standpoint, forget pitching because the the Mariners have really good pitching as well, and not just Castillo that they went out and got. They've got their own guys. Um, I wouldn't even those two aren't even in the same conversation. I don't care how much money they spend this off season. No, I'm with you, but I I just I really do think the pitching market is all held by them because they're clearly the team that's going to go and spend a bunch of money on it and. I'm just interested to see who they're going to get. Our friends at MLB.com put out a let's put a free agent on every single team from another team. Couldn't sign your own for the purposes of this exercise. Three Astros-related comments from you. It's got the Rays signing Michael Brantley. Can you see that happening? Uh, that 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 kind of smells like a Rays move, you know? Get him for – I think he's got a house in Florida, so like that, that makes some sense, yeah. It's got the Astros signing Josh Bell. I don't like that one. I've said that he's my second option. I can get from the cost standpoint that he'd probably be more cost effective than signing um than signing Jose Abreu, but his back half of the season the Padres just completely wore me like pushed me to saying no thank you. And in a move that would push Nestor Cortez to third on the Yankees staff, Yankees sign Justin Verlander. I mean, we all know that there's a there's definitely a link. I don't think he's going to be a Yankee. I think if he's going to New York team, he'll be a Met. I because I I do think that like you, everything you hear is about money, 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 and I just don't feel like one of the other than Garrett Cole, the Yankees gone out and spent a ton of money on a, on a bunch of free agents lately. Like no, they've spent on their guys. They made trades for guys that that make a bunch of money. But I just I don't think that that's that's their mo at this point is to go out and spend. 38 to 40 something million a year or 35 to 40 million a year for a 40 year old pitcher i feel like i'm going to ask you this every time we speak until it finally is determined where do you think he winds up i know that rosenthal mentioned the mets and so a lot of people are like well he's going to the mets see you later like do you think that's what happens or do you think there's still a shot he's here or do you think he lands elsewhere i think i I, i'll give you i think it's a three i think it's a three team race and it's only one of the teams because of the having been here the Astros are third I I would put the the Mets as number one because again they lose to Grom they're gonna want another starting pitcher and their their owner has more money than God and then the Dodgers are the other team you have to put in there just because the same type of reason now I don't think the Dodgers would, would extend to the level that the the Mets are going to extend which is silly but I mean, I should say silly from the standpoint of spending. Like, if the Mets going off for him 41 a year or something crazy, like, good, have him. Go. See you later. Thank you for everything. We'll, we'll, we'll enjoy you when you retire and you come back for your Astros Hall of Fame weekend. 
presuming he, he gets in. We'll, we'll see if they fit him first. To the Astros jacket. Hall of Fame? Yeah, well, well let's, let's hold the phone on, on the two-time World the Series winner. if he goes getting to into the, the Hall of Fame in an Astros <laughs> cap. That's the bigger question. Unfortunately, not the player's choice anymore. That's, right. that's dumb. That's right. Everybody doesn't remember that. Like, that's the thing. Like, I got that question from somebody the other day. I did, went on a podcast, and they are like, do you think he's going to go in an Astros hat? I go, it's not up to him. It's up to the Hall of Fame. Like, he could ask for something, but it's not his choice. And they're totally going to put him in a Tiger's hat, aren't they? I think, that, as they probably should. He pitched there for like 11 or 12 years or whatever. Michael Connor, our Astros insider, joining us here on the A-Team, as he does throughout the week. Appreciate the time. Appreciate those who make it all possible. Of course, thank you to Fred Haas, Toyota World, where Toyota-thon is on out there on I-45 between the Grand Parkway and the Beltway. The number one volume Toyota dealer in the state of Texas, that is Fred Haas, Toyota World. Go get special Toyota-thon savings on the largest inventory of Toyotas in the great state of Texas. Don't go settling. Don't overpay. Don't go making a $2,000 mistake. Get the Toyota you want at a Toyota-thon price you'll love, and also get top dollar for your trade in, all of the, in an hour or less. The best place for you to go get that new vehicle, again, out there on I-45 between the Grand Parkway and the Beltway. Tell them I sent you. Go get your Toyota-thon on at Fred Haas Toyota World. Hey, it's Josh Christopher. Here comes an alley-oop, and a throwdown! Back to the AT with Adam Wexler and Adam Clinton. That's a lot of Adams on Sports Talk 790, flagship station of your Rockets. Real quick, as I know we're going to get back into the Lovey Smith answers to various questions yesterday. Uh, I don't know if either of you happen to see Stephen A. Smith talking about the exchange between Lovey Smith and Brian T. Smith of the Houston Chronicle, the Smith on Smith violence, if you will. It wasn't even violent. One of the things he said, proving once again for the upteenth time he's completely out of touch and has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to things like this, he tried to say, well, would that reporter have done that when Brian or when uh, Bill O'Brien was, was head coach of the Texans? Yes, famously he did. Um, they went back and forth back then as well. This is what Brian T. Smith do. Now, I understand that... Um, at the end of this exchange today, or the end of this, I guess, rant by Stephen A. Smith, he did point out the fact that Brian T. Smith may or may not be a columnist versus a reporter, and he, that's exactly what Brian T. Smith, I think, I believe that's his role covering the Texans right now, and in general at the Chronicle. He's not a necessarily a strict, he's not a beat reporter. Never has been. He's a columnist. which a is a columnist from the time he got here. Yeah, so that does, and, and Stephen A. Smith pointed that out. And he's, he admitted, I don't know this person. But then again, then why are you going off on this tangent about him? So what they're talking about is what took place yesterday, and we don't need to talk about them anymore because no. it's clear they don't know anything. Right. Said that many times. We'll probably have to say it again. This was the exchange yesterday after the game between Brian T. Smith and Lovey Smith about why changes aren't made to a team that has repeatedly received the same kind of non-support from the crowd that isn't there, and the football product has remained the same. Lovey, you mentioned the, the fans deserve better. I mean, I, I look at the stands, they're mostly empty. You guys will do multiple times. This has been happening all year. No, no. Let me let me stop you. It hasn't been happening all year. It, you can say, you can say. Well, I'm talking about the fans booing us. All right. Yeah, we've been booed. Yes, and every time something is bad, fans are going to boo, and they have a right to do that. What is your question? I was going to ask my question. What is it? I was, I was, I, I, 
How does this get better? How do you, how do you improve this? We, we, by putting a better by putting a better product on the football field. Why didn't that happen today? Because I didn't think I should do it today. Why were you guys not better today? Um, I'm not going to tell you that, right? I mean, what do you expect me to say right now? We just got beat. Now, if there was something that we should have done right away, we would have done that right away. Where we're with our football team, we're, keep, we're searching for answers of what we're doing. And we'll keep working on different combinations. Right, we, we come in, and every week you're kind of telling us the same thing. You haven't made any changes. Why, why, because, why are you doing the same thing if you, if you get the same result? Because sometimes change for what? Just change to change. Uh, I think leave that up to us. All right. Right now, we don't think we're in that position. All right. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> what is happening over there? Well, the reality is that's just a tough time for the head coach. Mention it in the open. It's not his fault. He's coaching a very limited on talent group. And games like this are almost inevitable. He's done a remarkable job of having them be few and far between, unlike last year when it was a regular embarrassment, even though by some miracle they won four times. Um, they have not been able to do that this year. Their one win is against a team they never lose to, shockingly. And they really have had far too many recent games where the scoreboard looks a little better. Even yesterday, I mean, they lost by 13 points to the Commanders. They were embarrassing. Really, it's it's a miracle it wasn't more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's because the quarterback on the other side, it shows you how bad Carson Wentz is. If you, Taylor Heineke, even though we talked about him before the game, man, he's bad. Man, does he make a lot of bad throws. And it's evidenced by his personal statistics. But if they keep winning with him, then Ron Rivera is making the right decision, as he said after the game. And he was asked, he goes, well, so what have, what have you seen from Taylor that makes you, you know, want to go with him moving forward? And he almost looked at the reporter like he had lost his mind, but rather simply said, he's winning, which is a pretty good answer. But in Lovey's case, these questions are more about the, the direction and all that. But asked in that setting, 30 minutes after a football game, you know, he could have answered, well, we're going to evaluate everything because that's what the last coach did because that was his standard comment. We always look at everything after game. We go back and we look and we evaluate the best way. That's, that's what he would have said because that's what he does. Lovey said what he says. You know, I didn't think it was in the best interest of the team, so I didn't make that move. And I'm obviously not going to tell you about, you know, any move we might be making moving forward 30 minutes after a game. We haven't watched any film. I'm obviously not addressing Kyle Allen and uh, Davis Mills in the locker room and Jeff Driscoll, and telling them <laughs> that I'm making a change at quarterback. It's just that's not how things work. So he said literally out loud what at some point I think we all recognized he was saying in his own mind, what do you want me to say? Right. Like, I can't make Kenyon Green block Deron Payne. I can't make Nico Collins get open. I can't make Davis Mills get a ball within 10 yards of his expected target. I, I can't make that happen. I can't make Damian Pierce invisible so he can get to the other side of the line because the fact that he's an actual human, he has no chance running behind this line with the plays that we were not executing very well. There's no chance. 
They didn't even, you know, defensively, the fact that they, you know, they forced a punt on the opening series. They should have had an interception. The ball was right in the hands of Jalen Petrie. It's, it's not Lovey's fault that, again, this is a bad play. It's a great play all the way up until Petrie drops it. You know, it was an awful decision by Heineke. He overthrows a receiver he never should have thrown the ball to to begin with, but it landed right in your DB's hands, right in your safety's hands, and he didn't catch it. That's a game-changing play. What if Kendall Fuller merely tipped the ball away from Brandon Cooks on the first pass of the game? Well, then it's nothing-nothing. It's third down. Instead, he made a break on the ball. He caught it, and he ran it back for a touchdown. That's not Lovey's fault. That's Mills' fault, or it's Pep's fault for calling that play, or it's Cook's fault for the manner in which he ran the route. Or it's, or it's Nick's a, fault for drafting him. Or it's a great play by the, your coaching staff on the commander's side to say, when you see this look, be ready for this play. And because Davis Mills never looks off his receivers, Fuller can make an even quicker break on the ball. These aren't lovey problems. These are other parts of the operation problems. But he's the only one there. He's the one at the podium. He's the one answering the questions. He's the one that, in this instance, is basically in the firing line. And I mentioned we got a lot of different responses to that. So at the top of the hour, when we come back on the other side, I kind of wanted to gauge y'all's thoughts on not only how this went, and we'll obviously show let you hear what was said today about it, because the very same thing, it presented in a different way by the very same person, was asked of Lovey Smith today. But the reaction to the many obvious parts of this, they got their butts kicked. Their quarterback is bad. Their quarterback hasn't been replaced against the backdrop of, of course they want, the fans want this team to lose. But nobody wants to go to a game and watch a team play badly. No one wants to get on Twitter and say, this is unwatchable. They want a team that is watchable. They want a winning product. They know to get there, you got to think the opposite way. They they do need to lose. They, they do need to make sure they don't catch the Raiders or catch the Jaguars because their best bet is drafting first. And in this year, 32nd, because there are no 32 first-round picks. They actually are one spot higher than 33 with the first pick in the second round. And then there are picks from the Browns, which, again, got better this weekend because the Browns are awful. We'll see if it changes in two weeks. That's almost inevitable. I, I, I couldn't help myself. You know, it's late in the fourth quarter of a home game. What does every single team do late in the fourth quarter of a home game? They put up on the board what our next home game is and promote you can do this or it'll be this day or celebrate with us for that. What's well, It's the Browns game. It's the Deshaun Watson returns to the NFL and returns to play in Houston game. And I just can only imagine what that will be like with what's going on with this team. I didn't expect this to be the case. Will there be anyone there but, to boo him? Well, that's, I had that discussion, too. I, I know what the sta- stadium looks like every game day because I've been there. And, and there, it's not, there are not that many fans there relative to an NFL stadium and how many could be there. Is it going up dramatically because Watson's there? And are they going to cheer him? Are they going to jeer him? What will it be? And in all possibilities now, it's freaking Deshaun Watson and the Browns against Kyle Allen and the Texans. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is this is just when I think we've gotten to rock bottom with this franchise. They do this. They've never they've never lost uh, this many games that they're on pace. I mean, they their worst season is still two wins, right? They've never had a one win season. Yes, they've never had an over. Obviously, they've had a season with two non losses before. They have that currently. <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting about the tie somehow. Uh, even though it stares me right in the face every time I look at that weird record. All right, 4 o'clock hour coming up next here on the A-Team. Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam talking your teams. World Series 
Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A-Team. Talking about the Texans' situation, 1-8-1, and one. no other team in the NFL has fewer than three wins. The Cleveland Browns are one of the teams with three wins, and the Texans have their selection. Uh, the last game of the NFL weekend is tonight. Not in America, it's in Mexico. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals are playing tonight. So we'll see what J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins have in store for the San Francisco 49ers, I guess I should have called them D'Amico Ryan's 49ers to stay uh, with the theme. A lot of people already looking forward to the uh, D'Amico Ryan's pursuit by the Texans as head coach this offseason. We'll wait and see on that one. But anyway, <laughs> the Texans have one more week of Jacoby Brissett uh, commanding the offense for the Browns. And very possibly they will be three and eight when they turn things over to Deshaun Watson, who comes here to Houston. And all things considered, they're now in a position. I said, when we get there, we'll know what the better outcome is. And the reality is, the better outcome is a Texans victory, which would bring the Browns down, but not below Houston, because you don't have all of the Browns picks. You have the one there at the top of the draft. You want that as close to the top as possible while not impacting your further picks. You want to draft first in every round. Well, if you beat the Browns, it helps keep them uh, closest to the bottom of the standings. While, again, you still have a one-game cushion on them in the win column with only a handful of games to go. But we were talking about what was taking place with this team, is it time for a change at quarterback? And the very first question for Lovey Smith yesterday was that, you know, is there, is there, you know, have you given consideration to making that change? And, you know, the very first question this morning was, you know, after, you know, looking at the film, any consideration to making a change with the coaching staff or other positions? Because there's other teams in the league that have made changes. The Lions are a good example. Uh, they made coaching changes, which are basically the last chance your head coach has to save his job. And they've won ever since they made those changes. That might not necessarily be the reason why, but that gets to, to me, the heart of Brian T's back and forth with Lovey. You're sending the exact same personnel out there with the exact same coaching staff every week. And over the last several weeks, this is now multiple times where that exact group, who already was one in five, has now had multiple games, the Titans game and this game, where you're absolutely inept, completely and totally inept. And in this sport... There is a position of great importance where everything can change. So that was revisited today about 21 and a half hours later by the same two, Smith and Smith. It went a little bit differently this morning when Brian T. asked Lovey essentially the very same question. Lovey, you mentioned changes. Understandably, you want to talk to the team first if, if you're going to do anything. But do you believe a team sometimes needs a change for a spark mid-season for a spark or, or to, you know, I'm not saying to the locker room's not inspired, but to, to reach out to the players just, just to kind of change things up, not for the sake of change, but because sometimes a team really does need to maybe feel things a little differently. I, I think, it, yeah, I think a team does. I mean, when you're, and when you've lost as many games as we have, I mean, you're searching for ways and things that may uh, get the best out of Maybe that person or just uh, the team in general. No, I think there's a place for that. And, and whether it's a spark or not, I, and what we look at is that, okay, if the effort isn't what you want it to be, we look to see if there's a better option. And sometimes, I mean, we look to that better option a little bit earlier than others. 
position-wise, we look to that option maybe a little bit quicker than others. But that's a part of the process that you go through. And where we are in our, in our you know, we're in the second half of the, of the season now. It's a little bit different now. We should know about, um, I mean, what's been put on, on video is probably who we are now. I acknowledge that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pretty easy to do so. What they've put on film now, a 1-8-1 and team. That's had six consecutive games of scoring 20 points or fewer. They've scored 20 points or fewer in every game except for one. They can't score at the beginning of games with their scripted plays. They've played 10 games. They're averaging less than two points per game in the first quarter. They have 17 points. They've had 10 first quarters. They've scored two touchdowns and a field goal in 10 first quarters. That's two and a half football games. And they've scored 17 points. Anemic thinks that's bad. What they are is absolutely right there on film. I think the line of questioning yesterday, which came from multiple reporters, and it was about why not the change. When will it be time where you think this other guy gives you a best chance to win? And again, I go back to the to the commanders. Heineke's a bad quarterback. It's on film every single week. But he's giving them a better chance to win for some inexplicable reasons. Some of the, the, the way he plays, his ability to extend plays, the fact that he can run for a first down a little bit more effectively than uh, Carson Wentz. He can also take a knee more effectively than any quarterback in history since that knee won them a game against the Philadelphia Eagles. But you can see it. That, that's not, it's, it is some sort of we're all rallying around him. We're playing a different way because he's there. Similar thing is is all you're asking about when you say, could you make a change to Kyle Allen? Because Kyle Allen is bad, if well, you guys did not know that already. And maybe that's what Lovey's thinking about when he's asking, do you want me to make a change for the sake of change? Because that's what it would be. I mean, it's it's not, things are not going to get, they might get better from certain aspects, but they're going to remain the same or maybe even get worse in other aspects. And I think that's just... I understand where Lovey's coming from because as we've talked about in the beginning, you know, the the first hour of the show, he's in a bad spot. But he already knew that when they hadn't even played a single down this season. And it's just a matter of whether or not he's there for when they aren't as are not as in bad of a spot as they are right now. I, I just don't know if the way the NFL works, if that's gonna even be a possibility for him. I no, mean the thing is, is like there's he, no chance of that. Yeah. I mean he knows what he's, he sees it every day. When they put the first team defense out, Kyle Allen's the quarterback. So like he knows better than anyone that his defense is awful. And if Kyle Allen can't succeed in practice against them, he knows that Davis Mills is the better quarterback. So it's fair to ask about a change, but he already knows the answer, honestly, if Kyle Allen is even And that is again only what he literally sees on a, you know, weekly basis in camp. There's also history. Kyle Allen has started games before. He'd started more games in the NFL than Davis Mills had before this season began. And that's what I was referencing in hour number one, the numbers that don't lie. Davis Mills has been pretty bad this year, basically outside of Zach Wilson, the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. So 31st. And his numbers over the 10 games this year are better 
than Kyle Allen's number over his numbers over his last 15 games. It just took a longer size to get that many in there because he obviously hasn't been on the field very much. 17 picks in his last 15 games. Mills is actually leading the NFL now in interceptions, if you are not aware, with 11 in his 10. And Mills' terrible 78-4 passer rating, quarterback rating, is better than that of Kyle Allen's over his last 15 starts. You're really, you are literally changing for the sake of change. And there absolutely could be a spark. And you, we keep talking about rock bottom. There isn't one. Kyle Allen could go out there and produce miserably, throw Schaub-esque pick sixes, fumble snaps, run out of the back of the end zone. It's okay. You, you, a change was made. And that's all that I think people are saying when you're watching this product out there every week. If that's the change you're making, well, then again, this goes back upstairs. Then why is that the person backing up Davis Mills? Why is nobody else here? Why is nothing else? Been, why isn't there a second young quarterback? Same thing I've been talking about running back all year. Bring somebody else in. Have some other players there that at least can competently attempt to run Pep Hamilton's offense. And, and they're not there. That's the thing. Like, even if they, you know, even if they don't get a quarterback. In next year's draft, like say they decide that they don't want to go that route, Will Anderson, whatever happens, you can't bring Davis Mills back to be your quarterback again, can you? Davis Mills will not be the starting quarterback for this football team when the year begins next year, unless it's because of injury. I think that's why, like, I do lean towards drafting a quarterback because just the alternatives. The, yeah, I, I mean, like, do you guys really want to go into next season and Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback? I think Jimmy Garoppolo on any team other than the Niners would be a losing quarterback. Uh, For sure. And that's where it's like, I I get the idea of waiting because I think there's some validity to that of like, if we don't believe in CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, we draft Will Anderson. And like, if you're the Texans, are you you definitely still on Will Anderson? Well, it seems like everybody else is saying, man, this guy's just not bringing it this year. Yeah. Do you think that I do mock drafts all the time for the Texans and Bears and take CJ Stroud one and. Will Anderson three? Hell yeah, that's all I do with my life. I'm a boring person. No, I'm saying, do you think, think you're Will a- guy? Do you think Will Anderson has had a I don't season? Care. I don't care. It's because you've seen him do it before. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Carter's awesome. So, like, if if that's where you want to go, and like, with Jordan Davis, honestly, that's starting to piss me off. Like, the more I watch the Texans play and how much they can't stop the run, and knowing the Texans could have taken him. Like, I get Kenyon Green. Like, I do believe, Wex, I'm with you. I believe it will get better. But the idea of having someone like Jordan Davis on the interior of this line would be awesome. And I get that's why some teams might evaluate him above Will Anderson in the upcoming draft because it is a running league again. But I still think Will Anderson's the best player in the draft, personally. I don't care. He, You can't go from the number one pick in last year's draft to having a somewhat down year. Like, you're... We, you guys literally just announced he was a nominee for the Lombardi Award three days ago. Uh, Jalen Carter's also a nominee. I, I know he is. So, like, there's there's other options. But, I mean, it's the idea of going to next season with a different quarterback that's not Davis Mills and it's not C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young is to where I go, is it ever going to get any better? Then you're looking at starting the year with a Mariota caliber starter a and, and Andy Dalton caliber starter. That's, that's that, cool. Those are the alternatives. That's cool. Yeah. Do you want to be the Atlanta Falcons right now, or do you want to be the Houston Texans? Because I'll tell you what, when you talk about long-term health of a franchise, it's better to be the Texans. It's better to be 1-8-1 and one and have the opportunity to take a Change quarterback. Change your culture. Or 
be the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, you have five wins with Marcus Mariota. That's a cool story. You might make the playoffs, but you know what you're not going to be able to do? You're not going to be able to draft a franchise quarterback. So. Joe George was clapping yesterday when Atlanta got their fifth win and uh, kept the Bears at three wins. Believe it or not. Not. Okay. Because you're making us believe you were. Yeah, well, the quarterback got hurt, so I don't feel the same. When? Justin Fields, like the last play of the game? Yeah, so it didn't impact the game. It just impacted He might his, be out for the season. Which would be phenomenal. Not for me. <laughs> I've banked my fantasy football uh, season on we're it. We're off the field and win fantasy what land. It comes down to. The Bears will have a top three pick if Fields is out for the year. They might have it with them. They might have it with him. That is a fact. <laughs> but that's and that's what I'm saying. Like, and that's why, like, I feel like I know sometimes people like hate when I bring this stuff up, and I, and I am sorry if you're one of them. But like, it is the perfect example of why you can draft a quarterback and still be okay when you talk about rebuilding your franchise. Justin Fields has proven he's the best quarterback in his division right now. He's probably not better than Aaron Rodgers, but he's definitely better than Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. And, like, they're going to have a top three pick, and no one should feel bad about that. No one should feel bad if you're Jacksonville or Trevor Lawrence. You have, you still think a franchise quarterback, and you still might have a top ten pick. Like, it's okay to get your franchise quarterback and not be good. And it literally happens a lot of time where you get your franchise quarterback and you're not going to be good, and you get to draft near or at the top of the draft like Jacksonville did. People are too infatuated with the idea that like the Texans shouldn't take a quarterback because they're all in love with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. It's not reality. I know it's looked like reality the last five seasons, but it's not the way the NFL works. And my biggest reason for them not taking a quarterback this year is because I just not I'm not convinced that and the guys fair. are the ones for it. So for it's sure. not necessarily about waiting, even though I but I think that's why validity. I think that's why other people want to wait is because they think that like. You shouldn't draft a guy until you have Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow got sacked 10 times in a playoff game, and they won because he's a miracle worker. Helen Keller? He has vision and hearing. Yeah, but she was a miracle worker, according to Ari Gold on Entourage. In what sense? I'll have to research that further during the break. You can't remember the exact scene that it came from? No, that's the problem. But he's on the phone with Lloyd. It wasn't the guy who had his eyes done in the conference room? And he asked him to... See, this is why I need to go back and look. This is what breaks are for. Get the out. (laughs) Enjoy your ice cold Bud Light when you're talking about these things. When you're talking about, oh my God, Justin Fields is out for the year because he's on my fantasy team. But that's okay. Enjoy your Bud Light. That's always good for your uh, fantasy football get-togethers. I know a lot of people like to get together and watch games for that reason. I was at uh, NRG Stadium, obviously, yesterday and watching people tailgate in advance of the game. There was Bud Light on hand, smartly done, successfully done. And, of course, inside the stadium, the very same thing. Uh, This weekend, uh, some of the college football games, same story there. Whether you're tailgating before the game or enjoying yourself during the game, you can do that with your ice-cold Bud Light outside. That means you're filling the cooler up with ice-cold, refreshing Bud Light or just making your way to the concession stand and say, I'll take a Bud Light, and they'll say, you betcha. Enjoy your Bud Light, just like I do, safely and responsibly. Always plan ahead for that safe ride home. Now, the good. Oh, good. The bad. That's not good. And the ugly. Don't make me get ugly. With the A-Team. We're showing you the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugly. 
Time for our signature segment on a Monday. That is the good, the bad, the ugly. I will bring up the rear. That means I am awful to look at. Joe has the bad. AC, you're good. Come on now. We know where this is going, right? I mean, I could give the Vikings a, a lot of run and make myself look worse, like you guys were doing on the text thread yesterday because they got shellacked by Dak That's Prescott. That's a nice way to put it. And the Cowboys. But I'm going to go with the man whose jersey I'm currently wearing. Yeah, I'm an adult man wearing a jersey right now. And it says Kelsey on the back. And he's awesome. He was awesome last night. Mahomes was awesome last night. And the Kansas City Chiefs remain awesome. And with the way Josh Allen has played of late, I know it's still a long way to go. It's a lot to be determined. But those two have to be on a collision course. And they're not beating the Chiefs, right? I think you might because of the way the Bills have been playing lately, which is rather pedestrian. I mean, for those of you that uh, watched Tyler Bass kick six field goals in their win when they could not get into the end zone all day. Right. Maybe it's not quite time yet to dismiss the Dolphins because of how explosive their offense is under their new head coach and all of their weapons. But yeah, to date, it's pretty clear. I mean, every single person on the Chargers watching the game, on the Chiefs, every single person knew if the Chargers scored a touchdown with more than three seconds on the clock, they were going to lose. They had the ball. They had the clock. They had to figure out a way to get into the end zone to take the lead, not just kick a field goal to tie when it was 23-20, but they didn't know how How can we do this without giving Mahomes a chance. And they gave him a chance, the, and it was bing, bang, boom, touchdown, yeah, Kelsey. These are, the, these are the types of games that I love to watch the win probability graph because at the very tail end, it's <laughs> up to Kansas City. Yeah, three uh, touchdowns, six catches, 115 yards for a guy who, by the way. Is he the best tight end of all time? I think there's two. One guy that played for this franchise could be in the running. There's two guys that he has to become better than statistically. Gronk and Tony. Statistically, it's Tony. And then with his accomplishments, it's still Gronk. Mm -hmm. Gronk's excellence in the postseason, his production in the postseason for a team that kept winning in the postseason where he was such a large part of it. It's no knock on Kelsey, but his career just needs more of it, which it absolutely could get. And if that happens... Like they have to win a ring this year and they probably have to win another one. If they just get one more ring and then multiple additional runs where he keeps being unstoppable, then that would be enough for me. And I would be willing to say yes, he's number one. Yeah, all the time. only argument really three. The only argument against he's him playing like he's better than everyone now. by a it's lot. Unreal. That's I think, why I wonder. I think the only argument I, I would make against it really in the long haul is that even if he has that playoff success and and stuff, and honestly, losing Tyreek Hill and then becoming the focal point of the offense like Gronk was in New England helps his case. But Mahomes is his quarterback, and Brady was Gronk's, and why it's still why I think. Tony Gonzalez, in a lot of ways, stands above them. Well, he's got the longevity. But he also played with a lot of bad quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, who's the best quarterback Tony Gonzalez ever caught a touchdown from? Ever caught a single touchdown from? (laughs) Wow. That seems like that can't possibly be that bad, right? I mean, mean, Kansas City was awful. I mean... They were competitive. is, Is Matt Ryan... I guess Matt Ryan would be the answer. So it, it's a pretty bad list. It's only it's only eight guys in Kansas City or overall. Period. Okay, Matt Ryan. Yep. Everyone else is not active. 
Uh, do you catch any from Shaw? One of them, uh, need Trent Green in the head. The other way around, I gave away the answer. Travis Johnson. Uh huh. But it's Trent Green. Uh, a guy whose name you mentioned. <laughs> God so don't like ugly. Uh, His you, exact quote was, God don't like ugly that day. I'll I, never forget it. I think it. this guy's name has come up on our show once, and it was in the last one show. I think on Friday you said this quarterback's name from Michigan. Played in Kansas City. Chad Henney. Elvis Gerbach. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damon, I said his name. Okay. Damon Heward. Tyler Thigpen. <laughs> Rich Gannon. Okay. Brody Croyle. I forgot about the Rich Gannon years. Brody Croyle. And he caught one touchdown pass from a non-quarterback in Kansas City. Free Holmes, of course. No. Dante really? Hall. No, he was equally as productive as Priest Holmes. Had a couple of unreal Jamal NFL seasons. Jamal Charles? No. Uh, is it a Texas running back? It is not a Texas running back. It's a Penn State running back. I'm lost. Dude, I have no idea. Larry Johnson. Oh, oh I forgot God, about the Larry so Johnson good. here. So, yeah, big difference Underrated. between catching TDs from Brady or Mahomes yeah, versus Matt guys. Ryan and the rest. Uh, I'm not going to let the good get away until I share this uh, with our listeners here. Um, Cowboys' 37-point victory over the Vikings was the largest road win against the team 8-1 or better since 1970. That's the Kirk Cousins-led Vikings. <laughs> there have also been 284 teams in NFL history to start 8-2 and two or better. The 2022 Minnesota Vikings are the only one of them to have a negative point differential through their 10 games. Defense does matter. But Kyle, Kirk Cousins is quite How good. many times did Michael right, Parsons you got the him? bad. All right, I got the bad here. Uh, this is a memo to anyone that likes and uh, talks about college football. It is a friendly reminder that as rivalry week- weekend approaches and the concern of some of these rivalries going away, it's a reminder that it's your school's fault. Not teams going to a new conference. Florida and Florida State play every year. There is no reason why Texas and Texas A&M should not be playing this weekend. If you were looking at last weekend, saying Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, how much longer are we going to get this matchup with Oklahoma going to the SEC? That's their fault. It's bad that a lot of these rivalries are in jeopardy, but it's even worse that people try to blame it on just the idea of schools going to a new conference. Will you do me a solid, Joe? Yes. This weekend possibly could have been the weekend they would meet. Uh, Texas will attempt to still qualify for the Big 12 title game. Mm -hmm. Need a little help and a win. Uh, Texas A&M will attempt to not finish with the fewest wins in the conference, even overall now. Shout out Vanderbilt. Because Vandy got a win this weekend. Two wins in a row. Uh, Obviously, A&M did also. So if A&M wasn't playing LSU this weekend and Texas wasn't playing Baylor and they were playing each other exactly as they are, set the line for me. The game will be in, we'll, we'll put it in Austin. Texas is an eight and a half point favorite against Baylor on Friday. A&M is a 10 point dog to LSU. I'm going to say Texas minus seven and a half. Would be the line. Touchdown and a hook. I think it would actually be larger, but yeah. I guess it could depend a little like, bit on the players returning for Texas A&M I guess if A-Chain just, is back. I'm surprised by that Baylor line. It's by 10. Yeah. So that's I'm where little, I'm like Baylor a, little, was, a little thrown off. I, I mean, technically, I don't think I can say it because I think the timing of it was off, but with as the clock hit zero, 
they were watching the game losing kick go through the uprights. It was maybe one of the most unbelievable thing. I mean, to run the ball and then have your kicking team run onto the field and kick the field goal as time is winding down was one of the most perfectly executed special teams in the history of football. And they acted like it was nothing. They were so casual. Unreal. They ran on the field, got set up, had a couple of seconds to take a breath, and then the kick was made. I'm split between these two bads. Uh, I'll, I'll use them both. Two uglies, excuse me. One ugly was, hey, we deserve to be in the playoffs. And then we gave up 63 points to Spencer Rattler and the Gamecocks. That's Tennessee, led by Josh Heupel. Uh, that was ugly. They got worked, and they were out of that game from the beginning. What became uglier was Hendon Hooker's season ended with a non-contact ACL knee blowout. Oof. Very curious to see what the NFL draft on the 29th, the third day of the draft, has to say about that. I think this may eliminate the possibility that he's drafted before that. But I think the real ugly was the latter incident in Philadelphia. Oh, we need to talk about that. We need to talk about that next segment. We will talk about the latter incident so in good. Philadelphia. This weekend in the NBA. What are you doing? When we come back. That's just amazing. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what else is amazing. So I don't know if you guys were listening last week. I hope you were. I was complaining. I was whining, basically, that I missed my mattress because had two, not one, but two people that sleep in the same bed with me a lot were under the weather. So I was not getting to enjoy that mattress that we got from Texas Mattress Makers, the best sleep at the best price, like I normally do. Last night was actually the first night I finally slept in my bed. And man, I cannot believe I went nearly a week without doing it. Texas Mattress Makers really does make a difference. And right now with their Black Friday sale that's going on, they're not waiting for Black Friday. It's been going on all November long. You've been able to save up to 25% off handmade in Texas mattresses, get free cooling technology and free box springs, even enjoying 0% interest for 48 months. And you can uh, give your body something to be thankful for for years to come. When you get a mattress that is designed specifically for you at Texas Mattress Makers, six locations to serve you, the original on the east side of downtown, the address, 4619 Navigation at the corner with Lockwood, the factory located right next door, Keep it local. It legit is a local business. Your money going right back into our city's economy. And you're getting an amazing mattress that is so much better in quality and so much less in price. You can also go to Atascacita, Baybrook, Katy, the Woodlands, and Richmond Rosenberg. It's Texas Mattress Makers and TexasMattressMakers.com. The best sleep at the best price guaranteed. If you can buy Astros gear on it, you can hear us on it. Listen live for free on any smart device. Continuing here on the A-Team, wrapped up the good, bad, the ugly. Did not have a chance to discuss the latter incident, which I thought we might devote a little bit of time to. It doesn't seem like everybody understands exactly what happened. And even after seeing it and hearing them discuss it after, I'm still not 100% sure where all the blame lies because there's so many different layers to it. Something so simple. Giannis can't make a free throw. And that means he wanted to work on it after the game between the Sixers and the Bucks in Philadelphia. So he went to the court and shot free throws after the game. Most people saw one of the videos first, which was not of what actually took place in any kind of sequence. But the video showed Giannis attempting to shoot a free throw, the ladder that uh, arena workers will use to either 
you know, different times they'll use to confirm the height of the rim. They'll use to get their camera equipment on or off. Things that they need to be done after a game. Pretty commonplace. If you stay afterwards at any NBA game, if you're like us, we're not kicked out because we're not in the seats and we're still working. So we see all this happen. Very normal uh, for that to happen. Even pretty normal for players, usually on the home team, to find one of the two baskets, the available one, usually if there is one. A shooting extra. Most arenas also, not most, but a lot, will have somewhere else to shoot like Toyota Center does. They have a practice court, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, right down uh, beneath the court or near the court. Uh, in this instance, the video that was seen by most people on the internets was Giannis attempting to clear the basket of the ladder. So he m- moved it out of the way about two feet. He just grabbed it and pushed it over so the rim was now exposed for him to shoot. Uh, the arena workers then moved it back into place as he went back to the free throw line. So they, he then returned to the spot and was a little angry this time, a little more angry. And he just grabbed the ladder, shoved it aside. It toppled over. Luckily, did not hit anybody. It was no real consequence after that, but it can be dangerous. And then he went about shooting his free throws as the uh, arena workers at that point kind of just threw their hands up and walked away. But that's what everybody saw. I saw a great response to that particular video. Someone said, wait, you mean the clip going viral is out of context and being blown out of proportion? (laughs) The Internet would never. Yeah. It did take some time to, to get a handle on everything that actually took place. Which was, he went out there to shoot free throws and there was no, no big deal. But then when Sixers forward Montrez Harrell went out to do his post shoot, post game workout. Former Rocket. Which is totally normal for him. This is something he does after almost every game. Was out there with an assistant coach. The assistant coach went over to Giannis and said, we're going to need this basket or a basket because this is what we do on our home court. So we're just going to take it. So the ladder that was actually on the other end came all the way down to Giannis's end. And now not only could he not shoot, they literally took his basketball from him. So he didn't have a basketball or now a rim to shoot on. So he left the court. But then he returned to the court with a basketball. And that's when this ensued. There was also some a lot of loud chatter from Harold to Giannis. So in about every single possible way, most of this was super petty, super unnecessary. I'll acknowledge what Giannis wanted to do was probably preventing, you know, the Joes and Jims and Judys from doing what they need to do after a game so they can go home. But beyond that, I mean, what, this like, is get, has gotten way too much run for what it was dangerous what he did. So I don't want to dismiss that. But the pettiness of the Sixers, what mostly is Montrez, Montrez doing? And, and Montrez, the anger from Giannis. It's just so easily avoidable, it seems well, like. Okay, both of these guys, first of all, Montrez is just like, it, it was like, what are you doing? Like, why is it really that big of a deal? But secondly, Giannis, who gets a pass from basically everybody in the NBA, and this is what really bugged me when he and Harden had their little dispute, because everybody hated Harden. So they immediately took Giannis aside, even though he Can does. Imagine things. if Harden threw a basketball off his face? I mean,. They would probably want to suspend him for life. He'd still probably like the holidays, as James noted on his Twitter account today. Yes. Yeah, well. um, Sipping on some hardened wine, having his legs worked on, getting ready for his comeback. So likable. So, yeah, he gets a pass on so many different things, so many times. You can't. I mean, I realize it's after the game. There's still people around the floor. You can't just. That's a 
gigantic ladder. Yeah, super dangerous. Can't do that. I mean, I, I own a 10-foot ladder at home. This I would is, never do that around any of my family. This is much, much larger than that. Right, because it has to get above a 10-foot yes. rim. And it goes crashing to the court. And there's people all over the place. It did not hit anybody. He, I don't know that he really looked to make sure it he would didn't. not hit anybody. Watch the video. He, he didn't care I've at all. watched it over and over and over again. The point is, the NBA probably won't look past this, nor should they. He did something. You just can't. You can't react that way, even if the others were in the wrong to get to that point. He'll probably get a fine, which is well-deserved, and I think we'll we'll move on. I just, I don't know, man. I There's a lot going on in the NBA this season and of late that I'm just like, you're not doing yourselves any favor. I know that uh, you know viewership is down, I believe, like for like the fifth consecutive season. LeBron is on the way out. Still as relevant as ever, I, I guess. Yeah, because people are paying attention to exactly how many games the Lakers start playing well in while he's out and start winning while he's out. And then when he comes back, they'll go back to helping the Pelicans' first draft pick. Uh, that's my assumption. I'm not telling you he's a bad stat filler because he really fills he's up the He's a bad statue. GM. I'm telling you that. Well, they are playing much better basketball. and With Russ. There's a reason. There is a reason. It isn't a coincidence. I'm not saying LeBron's a bad basketball player. But there are things that they do while he is healthy and on that team that make it harder to win, if you can believe it. And maybe some people don't, but the evidence is right in front of you. Rockets are going to get one of their victories against the Lakers this year. I don't care whether he's on the floor or not. You may not remember this from the preseason because I did the game against the Spurs. Uh huh. The Spurs got, I don't know what the final score was last night. Did you happen to see the Spurs-Lakers final score last night? I knew, no, because they hadn't tipped off when I left the arena. Oh, yeah, and then you just check out. I get it. Yeah. Um, as we all would. <laughs> they Spurs, lost by 31 points to the Lakers without LeBron. The Spurs are absolutely going to be fighting. No matter how many games they won earlier this season, they were 5-2. and two. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're now six and twelve. Uh, and by the they way, they have no talent, nothing to build on. They have the ugly incident that they're still dealing with, which they've which as is a team weirder by the day appears that they've settled with the doctor. But they are. I don't. I don't know what they're doing. Just. Quite honestly. But here's the problem. I just don't know what they're doing. There, when we were just talking about there being a franchise quarterback at the top of the... There is a franchise player that can... Just like Tim Duncan back in 1997. There's probably a franchise... It's going to make me sick if they get him. There's probably a franchise player at number two also with Scoot Henderson. But yes, Victor, for the win, is I, what everybody is going to ultimately be shooting for. I can't do it again for another 20 and years. missing all the rest of the season. Uh, there's actually one more piece of ugly that I thought was worth getting to. It involves a deleted tweet and the Houston Texans. So we'll hit that when we come back on the other side. He's technical. How do you know that? Because he's freaking awesome? And, well, he's a spectacle. I have taken this segment and just flung it out this window. Adam Wexler. Adam Clanton. (laughs) The A-Team continues on Sports Talk 790. (laughs) 
So I mentioned there was one more ugly item from the weekend I wanted to get to involving a deleted tweet since I've not been able to refine it. And it also says this tweet has been deleted. The uh, Texans have issues. Can either of you guys recall one of the issues I usually cite as a reason why the offense cannot function? What's, what's, what's one, of the, one of the big issues with this uh, roster, this team? And it prevents Mills from having time to throw and prevents Pierce or Rex or Dare or soon Eno from running up the middle. Camp block. So the interior of their interior, line is terrible? Yeah. Is that what you just said? Yep. I agree. So, a couple weeks ago, the Texans signed, re-signed, as a matter of fact, Julio Johnson, defensive tackle. He played with the team last year, was let go in the offseason, has bounced around a little bit and ended up uh, available to them and played for them over their last three games. I made a roster move this past week before the Commanders game and let Julio Johnson go. He had been signed and played at all three games since then, and they decided he was an expendable player. And I saw somebody retweet something that he had said. And the retweet's rather benign. It says, Jaleel Johnson was released by Texans on Saturday as they activated Michael Dwumfor, one of their D linemen who was on IR. He was healthy, so they added him. That came from Aaron Wilson. And I noticed the tweet at the time, and I thought, I better go ahead and screen cap that tweet. Because I bet you it's not going to be around for very long. And as I re uh, find Aaron's tweet from in-game. It says that same quote tweet, but the tweet is unavailable. So yesterday's game had Kenyon Green, couple of holding penalties, which wiped out some very good plays, got run over by Deron Payne, and it's kind of gone viral for the move that he put on. Payne actually talked about it after the game, saying he's a young kid. He probably had not seen a move like that before. He'll be fine, but yeah, that was fun for me. And again, a lot of Green's issues are twofold. He needs to get stronger, and his technique stinks. I don't want to hammer the Aggie coaches or the Texans coaches, because I'm not sure who's most at fault. But that'll get fixed. Point being, the tweet itself from Jalil Johnson, who was with the Texans for the last three and a half weeks, at 1.17 yesterday afternoon during the game, he tweeted after he had been released earlier in the week, Coaches got mad at me for going too hard on number 59 and number 54 in practice. Really? That's Kenyon Green and Scott Questenberry. They're starting guard-center combo. He may be unhappy that he's not still with the team. He may have an axe to grind. I I doubt he made that up. But I don't know that that is a reason they let him go. I mean, he tweeted on the 19th. They used me for four games. All good, though. Thank you, Houston, again. Yep. That was very nice. It's, he was happy for his like time. It seems like it's all good. He seems a little bitter. He does. Don't say it's all good when it's not all good. Maybe it was all good at the time. Nah, not for him to tweet that. Because if it was all good, you wouldn't be tweeting about it. One way or the other. He's trying to help these kids by going hard at them in practice. Like, nobody goes to Twitter to be positive. I don't know that. I do. No, you don't. I mean, even though Rod was telling me, you know, tell tell me how you really feel. I I was being just factual (laughs) with my Texans tweets. Texans have run six plays. They have no yards. Texans and commanders have combined for zero yards on their first 11 snaps. The Texans would be better off. I was telling my, my daughter this about the game. I was telling Samantha. So in the first half, if they would have, you know, just gotten the shotgun, snapped it to Mills, and he would have thrown nine consecutive incompletions, each each set of three followed by a punt, 
they would have had a better offense than the one they did, where they lost yards and threw a pick six. If they if they took a knee on every play and didn't lose yards on them somehow, like, they I, would have had a better start to their game offensively. And that's one thing I did ask Davis yesterday about making changes, struggling to, you know, make changes on the fly over the course of the first half. And he had already referenced their scripting plays and then kind of reiterated that when he answered my question. I, they didn't do anything that uh, surprised us. But you're so bad at the execution or your ideas, not his personal, the coaching staff's ideas on what will work, that they don't make any change. That's why they don't have a bad drive to start the game. They have bad starts to the whole game. That's why their first quarters are so bad. That's why their first halves are usually ones where they're trailing. Now, they might have played a little bit better in the second half or in the fourth quarter yesterday because it's taking them forever to say, well, we spent all week looking them over, and we think this is going to work. Well, after the first, second, third, fourth, fifth drive, sixth drive, when it doesn't work, what, how, how come it takes you so long? Do something else. I mean, when I saw they had five yards at halftime, most people were freaking out on social media, and I was like, yeah. No, it's not. that. It's pathetic. No, I, I, I know, but I, it doesn't surprise me because of how pathetic it usually is. You can I know run it was a QB worse than normal. sneak on every play and be better than that. But they didn't. Right. So what is it that they're doing all week? How are you putting that much? Because I know they're working hard. They're spending hours there. They obviously put a plan together. And Pep Hamilton has his playbook. And he's run these plays or variations of them for years in this league and others. And yet, this is what they came out there and did through that first half, which is beyond belief. Obviously, the two interceptions, the first was a pick six, did not help. When they've now... Now they're starting to show who they really are also on defense. They don't force turnovers. They don't put the other team under pressure. And while the point totals aren't out of uh, whack, yesterday was a great example of don't look at their defense and say, man, they don't give up a lot of points. If they could just score, they could win. Did it look like Washington was trying to do anything yesterday? That's, that's why like this notion that like just because they're not getting smoked this year, like this team is closer or better or it's not the same as last year. They're 31st in the NFL in time of possession these teams are just going three, four yards at a time and just beating them up. Listen to this drive that spanned the end of the third quarter to the fourth quarter for the uh, the Commanders. Ten plays, 20 yards, they kicked a field goal. The, dra- the drive lasted six and a half minutes. How is that possible? In ten plays to go 20 yards with the very large lead that they had in the game. How many penalties? All they're trying to do is run the clock out Yeah. by whatever means necessary. You want to put 12 guys in the box and not get penalized for it? We don't care. We'll run Antonio Gibson right into it. It makes no difference to us. How much worse would it have been if Chase Young had played? Well, they probably got lucky on that, that he did not play. But he has now been activated by Ron Rivera's commanders who are above 500, like each of their teams in their division that continue to manhandle the AFC South. The 5 o'clock hour is going to contain a number of things. The Mills Minute will come up at 5.30 in case you missed it at 5.15. And when we come back, the man at the center of the Smith-on-Smith violence yesterday, if you want to call it that. Brian T. Smith of the Houston Chronicle joins us for his weekly visit. Straight ahead. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A-Team. A-Team. Are you ready for some football? It's five o'clock somewhere. 
Topic of the day, obviously, the day after Texans football. And we have Chronicle columnist Brian T. Smith on with us now. Brian, you and I were both there yesterday for the spectacular offensive display by the Houston Texans. We were also both there in the postgame press conference with Lovey Smith. I was merely a uh, bystander. And I'm sure you didn't know or expect this to reach the kind of level and the legs that it has gotten. But there was a point to your question about what was going on with the Texans and why no changes had been made to the point that you basically asked him the same thing today. Just tell me about how things went yesterday and how your expectations for how Lovey might respond. Maybe maybe you didn't get what you thought. No, you're completely right, Wex, and thanks for having me on as always, guys. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I honestly, I was I was surprised. I mean, Lovey Smith, uh, and, and for the record, I was at, Texans availability today asked Lovey a question. Lovey was professional. He was he was a lot better today dealing with everybody. I don't know if with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The frustration got to him, the losing, if he was feeling, uh, you know, the, the, the pressure. Obviously, that team was booed over and over again. The, that might have been the most empty that I've seen the Texans since 2012 when they are, you know, it's not like they're the end of the season. It wasn't a post-holiday game. Uh, that was horrible. That was absolutely horrible. The fans knew it. Everyone on social media knew it. Everybody reading the Houston Chronicle and HoustonChronicle.com knew it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You knew it. I knew it. And he needed to answer some questions. And for the record and what some people, I won't even get into the other people. They're not worth my time. But what some people don't know is that I wasn't, I'm not going to take credit. It's not about me. I wasn't the one who quote unquote started it. It was actually another reporter, uh, credit to him who got it going and Lovey ducked those questions, deflected those questions, and you know just some backstory. And obviously, I've been covering the World Champion Astros every game uh, for the last month. But I, you know, keep up on the Texans, obviously. And we have multiple reporters for the Houston Chronicle. And Lovey had been on some level ducking, deflecting questions about changes, about the issues for the last month, for the last six weeks, and and kind of sort of talking down to reporters for a while and you can do whatever you want. You're an NFL head coach. That's, that's fine. Makes it a little harder to do it a little harder to, to understand it, to stomach it when you're one, eight and one, when you have five yards in the first half, when you are the worst team in the NFL and when you're running, you know, Davis mills 
and Pep Hamilton and an offense out there that are the worst I have seen and in many ways statistically are the worst in Texas history. So you actually can't pull a Bill O'Brien after that. You, you have nothing to stand on, but at the least you can answer questions. You can get into things. You can, you know, go back and forth professionally with the media and he cut people off. He didn't answer questions. He deflected. And so, yeah, part of my job, <laughs> and I've been doing this for a while now in Houston, part of my job is to keep asking questions and to keep asking the same questions sometime. And, you know, we all need better answers. And, and there, there, are, there are multiple facets to this, right? Yes, this is a rebuild, and it's about the draft and getting the next quarterback. But they're still playing games, and they're still selling tickets. And Lovey Smith started this season by begging fans to show up and show out or whatever the heck that stupid slogan was. And so if you're going to do all that, you can answer questions. He's dealt with Chicago before. So I was, I was disappointed. I was honestly a little stunned that he handled it that way. And the last thing I'm going to do is back down to Lovey Smith when he, when he's one, eight and one. So today was a lot better. That happened. That used to happen to Bill O'Brien and I, and everyone listening to this station and everyone reading the Houston Chronicle knows very, very well that I, at times, got into it much more with Bill O'Brien than it happened for a minute yesterday with Lovey Smith. So we'll see where the Texans go from here. But he's, he's in a, a, a very difficult spot. And the fact that less than 24 hours later, he acknowledged that he's considering changes and hinted it'll be a quarterback change. I'm not going to take any credit, but I will say that I and other reporters, a few other reporters yesterday, we did our best to do our job, and that's all we can do. Well, he's no David Culley, I'll tell you that much, Brian T. Smith. Because <laughs> um, at least David Culley got four wins. No, I, you know, it, this is something that I, I brought up at the beginning of the show, and I talked about this in the preseason. You know, when it happens, because I knew this would happen, It'll at yeah. least be more pleasant than it was with Bill O'Brien because this team will hit rock bottom and, you know, there there will be a point where if you don't want to call it him snapping, well, he's going to at least break his or reach his breaking point. And I think that's what happened yesterday with Lovey. But it, it we've also talked about the fact that he's in such a bad spot. But I don't yeah. just like, you know, the magic answer might not be at the top of the draft this upcoming April. I, I don't know what the magical answer is going to be at the coaching situation. And not only that, when you make that move, because I think we can all agree that Levy Smith's probably not going to be the long-term answer, but I think we knew that including him going into this. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But it'll be interesting to me the timing of all of these monumental decisions that once again this franchise is facing at, at different levels of the organization. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, Clanton, because that's part of what I was trying to do, and I've been writing about for months in the Chronicle, setting this up. And I mean, you could go back and listen to every interview that we've done every Monday at 5 p.m., sometimes at 4 p.m., uh, getting into the Texans, and how many times have I brought up and discussed with you and Wex on the A-team that you have multiple things going on at once, and one of those is do they have the right coach that Nick Casario is already on his second coach, that he went one and done with David Culley when one else in the, in the NFL would have hired David Culley, that Lovey Smith was not the first choice, that, that they wanted Josh McCown, who was more inexperienced than Jeff Saturday, right? And, and they, had, they weren't in a Frank Rutt situation, that they had just you know hired David Culley, fired David Culley, 
They had been through the Deshaun Watson, on and on and on. So you finally stumble into Lovey Smith, and, and the question's going to be that this team was supposed to be better. You know I mean? We're, five wins, six wins, whatever it was going to be, but you didn't give Davis Mills any training camp competition. You didn't go out and sign a, a veteran quarterback who had been there and done it before. You, you believed, you sold to the fan base that you would be more respectable this year. You know, you asked the fans to show up and believe in this, all this stuff. Even if it was just going to be six, it was going to be a better six-win team. They are worse right now by far than they were last year in many, many ways. And now they're on the verge of benching Davis Mills, who was Nick Casario's first pick. Well, then you circle back to Lovey Smith and to your question. So when are they going to decide if Lovey Smith's the right coach? You know, if you're going to draft Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, I'll keep saying this until we have an answer because that's my job, but you better have the right head coach. You know, you have to at some point not just start winning games. The Texans at some point, Clanton, have to start getting some things right, and these are big, big things like you mentioned. And so this season is figuring out Lovey Smith. You know, Lovey Smith is a long time removed from the Chicago Bears and the Super Bowl and Rex Grossman and, and that defense, a long time. It, it did not go well at Tampa Bay. It went horribly at Illinois. And he was passed over by the Texans twice when they, when they could have hired him. He, he, he initially, that job went to David Culley. Then they wanted to give it to Josh McCown before you had the Brian Flores racial discrimination lawsuit against the NFL and multiple teams. So you put all that together. And Lovey Smith entered in a tough spot, but he's only made it harder on himself. So... You know, we'll, again, we'll find out. This this comes down to Cal McNair and Nick Casario. But thus far, Lovey Smith has not impressed at all. And he looks and sounds and has acted much more like the coach who couldn't do anything at Illinois and lost his job at Tampa Bay than anything resembling what happened in Chicago in 2006. So you brought his name up a couple times finally. When does this actually come back to the actual person that has created the current problem. And that is Nick Casario. I'm not going to say, why can't Cal sell the team? Because that's obviously not reality. Cal can hire the new GM. Cal can decide that the six years that he gave to Nick Casario was ridiculous at some point, and he's going to have to eat some of that to hire a new guy as he allows Nick to continue making Cal eat head coach's salaries if they decide it's a second straight one and done and give the same general manager a third head coaching hire in three years. But isn't a lot of what Lovey's facing by simply standing at the podium, the bullets, so to speak, these, a lot of them are still pointed in the wrong direction, aren't they? 100,000%. And I've written that in the Chronicle. I've said that. And, and again, this is why I love coming on this program. You guys get it. You know, that, that's, that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, Cal McNair is not making these decisions. Hannah McNair is not making these decisions. Janice McNair is not making these decisions. These big decisions go down to one person. I mean, Jack Easterby, Jack Easterby was finally kicked out of the building. This is Nick Casario. This is his roster. This is his rebuild. You know, if, if they move on from Lovey Smith, and right now it feels like they would. I mean, why, why would you bring him back unless they show sudden improvement or Kyle Allen gets you four wins or whatever? I mean, if you go two and 14 and one and you bragged about a season opening tie and you avoided a victory in that game, how can you come back? Uh, I, so if, if that happens, Nick Casario will have been through David Culley and Lovey Smith, Tyrod Taylor, who was obviously a bridge quarterback, and Davis Mills. And Mills was his first draft pick, so he'll already burned his first drafted quarterback. 
at, at some point, this is all on Casario. Now, I fully believe that there will be a point in late April, early May, and they will have the number one overall pick and the number five or six overall pick from Cleveland, and that could be the trampoline that allows this thing to finally start to feel good and move forward. And you draft C.J. Stroud, you you draft Bryce Young. But they're going to have to figure out the head coaching situation before that. And and you just have to wonder how much longer does Cal McNair want to look out and hear his team booed week after week and see a stadium that's 80% empty. I mean – I try not to call the, the, the Texans a, you know, a joke. I try not to say they're the laughing stock in the NFL. There are teams that are, w- are more poorly run. But outside of Damian Pierce and a few draft picks, Nick Casario really doesn't have anything to show for a rebuild. And he's, he, he's on the verge of, of having to fire another head coach. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's on Lovey and it's on Davis Mills and it's on a lot of people. Pet Ham, Pet Hamilton on down. But ultimately – all of these decisions have been made by Nick Casario, and he's got to start to show something Or at some point you would think that the McNairs would wake up and be like, this whole thing, this whole rebuild right now, it's just not working. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But maybe, maybe it'll be, you know, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, and that becomes the thing that gets everybody back on board. It's Brian T. Smith of the Houston Chronicle. You can follow him on Twitter at Cron Brian Smith. He joins us each and every week during the football season. Brian, we appreciate it. We will uh, look forward to what next week holds. I can't wait, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Have a good one. All right. Brian T. Smith of the Houston Chronicle here on Sports Talk 790. In case you missed it, coming up next. It feels so good to be champion again. Houston, we did it again. The celebration continues with the A-Team. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler. Damn, it feels good to be champion. On Sports Talk 790, home of the Strohs. How about the Mastos? Bunch of stuff to get to in case you missed it, so let's get right to it. Yeah, we'll start with the local stuff here. That's important. Alex Cintron is back for 2023 and all the way through 2025. Josh Miller and Troy Snicker also all back. Both hitting coaches, one of their pitching coaches, and remember earlier Joe Espada right. committed to be back as well. I yep. thought they were all going to scatter to the wind if Dusty returned. It was about the timing. Think about it. The Astros had lost earlier in the postseason, and there were both questions about his return and some openings that had not been filled yet. So maybe as managers were hired, that other spots they could have filled rather than continuing to work and watching them get filled. I can't wait until uh, Yuli and Michael Brantley and Justin Verlander all return too. That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, well, the least important thing, but we'll just throw it out there. Team USA today tied Wales 1-1. to Their next game's at 1 o'clock on Friday. Was it riveting? You know what? It was okay. I watched most of it. Well, but what? I want to know the difference. Just on top of your head, what on a percentage, what percentage of tallies in games or World Cup games or MLS games do you think are scored on a penalty kick versus over the course of regular play? I have no idea, honestly. So Team USA actually scored a goal in the game. Yeah. 
like by playing soccer and putting a piece together and <laughs> finding a, a gap and making a nice pass. And then and how did Wales finishing score? In the back. Oh, they got a PK and they kicked it into the back of the net, which happens nearly. I wouldn't say it's as high a percentage as you would think because we watch people kick it over the net all the time. But that's just the way it goes. Got a lot of extra time. Not exact extra time because that's not how soccer works. But for as much derision as you'll hear probably in our voices, it's the biggest thing going. People even in this city and every other city, this obviously will be a big World Cup site in a few years. People were up early to get out to places that opened early so they could enjoy the festivities today. And we'll do so again for their two remaining games in this pool and hopefully more to come. But today's result, not real helpful on that front. Obviously, it could have been worse, but the ex- expectation was... You beat Wells, you beat Iran, and then it doesn't matter what you do against England. You guys finish 1-2, right? Yeah, that was the expectation. Uh, Just a quick look here. From the Premier League in 2021, 83% of penalty kicks were scored on. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Before we get to all the NFL news, uh, we got a report that Deion Sanders has been talking and interviewing with South Florida and Colorado. Didn't you call him to Colorado no, earlier I this said year? Josh McCown. Oh, that's right. Do you think this, like, they're 11 and 0, his Jackson State team, they're absolutely manhandling teams? I, I'm, I would be surprised that this would be a goal of his. If you want to be a D1 coach, I told, I, or major program, I've, I've always thought that was the case. I think he's perfectly happy where he is. Yeah, but your career's going to get derailed. I mean, why South Florida, would you, maybe. But. He doesn't, look at the guys that are getting jobs. There's no way he has to take either one of those jobs. He, he has done already enough. Probably had done enough before he even coached a game. Yeah, for to sure. To take a better job than I think either of those present. Yeah, unless he just really feels like it's it's time to take that that next big jump. But you're, good luck, man. You're gonna you're gonna ruin your career if you go to Colorado. Just can't he wait like ten days? Are we I, not familiar with I what happens this, every see, single year? I, I yeah. think this is a threat. Like a bluff of like, if you don't hire someone, I might be off the market. If you don't fire your coach, I might be off the market. I don't remember who it was, but someone went on a podcast. Oh, Chuck. It was Charles Barkley. And he basically insinuated that Texas A&M is going to fire Jimbo Fisher and hire Deion Sanders. I don't think that's actually going to happen. Could you imagine? It would be so awesome. So why is is Deion not in the Auburn mix? Since you brought up Charles. I don't know. But the problem sometimes when you fire your coach midseason is if it goes well, especially when you put a hero on your staff and you make him your head coach, Cadillac Williams wins two games in a row. They beat Alabama this weekend. It's over. It's his job. And that might be bad for your program uh, in the long haul. Although he's probably responsible for a lot of the players recruiting-wise and that in a good way, could continue, should continue. Yeah, I, I would keep Cadillac, honestly. Bunch of news in the NFL going on. Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown both out tonight for the Cardinals. Uh, Kyle Pitts going to be on injured reserve for the rest of the season. So his season is over. Justin Fields is day-to-day, but maybe out for the season, is what the Bears head coach said today. Yes, most people thought that is quite a range. Uh, that's He's like, day-to-day, or he might not play at all. Like That's more of a range than the Astros give. He has some shoulder discomfort. Yeah, but like... Or if it was Gary Kubiak, he's got a shoulder. He's got a shoulder. But discomfort typically isn't day-to-day to to a season. Yeah, other football news. The change from Hackett to Kubiak netted an overtime loss and a 16-point offensive output. 
It was bad. Um, Robert Sala does not commit to Zach Wilson moving forward. Uh, he said he was asked yesterday if he felt like responsibility for the loss, and he said no. And then yes. Quinn Williams was asked if he addressed the team in the locker room. He said he did not. That Zach Wilson did not. Defense loves him. So it's my understanding that uh, someone who tweets a lot about the Jets and had tweeted out a bunch of plays and some scenes, uh, you know, some overhead looks at some plays that were very negative towards how did Wilson miss this or how did Zach Wilson not see that. Um, and then Wilson was asked, you know, did he kind of owe the defense for their two-yard second half and the fact that they scored three points in the game and didn't say yes. And someone responded, you don't owe your defense at Zach Wilson? At I am Sauce Gardner liked that tweet. Uh-oh. And as far as I can tell, when you look at I am Sauce Gardner's liked tweets, it no longer appears. So either I got duped or he unliked it. I like like tweets. I like um it's uh was it Titus or Tunsil? It was Titus talking about liking yeah, Bryce was, Young related tweets. Yeah, about Bryce Young being the future quarterback of the Texans and he was hitting that that like button. And uh last thing I got here and this is an interesting story because it comes from Bill Plaschke and typically I'm not one to believe anything he says, but it's not the first time we've heard this. When the Bears traded for Khalil Mack, the report was that the reason why the Raiders didn't keep him was because Mark Davis didn't have the money to put into escrow. So when you sign a player to a contract, you have to put every penny of that contract into escrow. And the report was that he did not have that. Well, Bill Plaschke reported this weekend that the reason why Josh McDaniels is not going to get fired and is going to be the coach next year and the year after is simply because the Raiders don't have the money and are, quote, cash poor. So... What's still amazing about that is I'm not sure the figures on McDaniel's deal, but, but I'm pretty confident saying it's way more than Rich Passaccia would have gotten. But they're also, but this is part of the the Gruden fallout, and I think that's sure. why they tried to fire him for cause. And I think that lawsuit's still ongoing. Isn't this sort of similar to what the Aggies are experiencing with Jimbo in a roundabout way? No, because life? what's different is that like they have the money, they just. It's oh, so yeah. much money. The, the, yeah, when I keep saying every day for the last however many weeks, oh, they're not going to fire him. They're not going to. It's not because they don't have it. It's because they have to convince themselves they want to throw it, it away. Or, I mean, they're yeah. literally just here. We sent, spent all this money on him. Now we're just giving it to Wasted, him to not, not spend it. Yeah, to yeah. not be here so we can spend more on some other coach. Um, and reports are that he still they they still owe forty million dollars to yeah. John Gruden. And don't doesn't so that for cause couldn't the for cause be. Look at these draft picks. <laughs> Look at the talent. Look at the waste of time it was while he was here. Emails? Yeah. Well, the the cause was you kept you drafting suck. players. Well, it's and it's along so interesting with- is because when they always talk about firing a coach for cause, it's never about being bad at your job. Right. It's always for kicking the kicker if you're urban. Like, I mean, Kevin Ollie just won his lawsuit against UConn. Or because, grinding the waitress. Yeah. But like, Kevin Ollie sued UConn after getting fired because they tried to do for cause with him because there was some penalties from the NCAA. Can I get a judge's he ruling from you, Joe? Case. Yeah. To be fair to Urban, he wasn't really doing the grinding. He was just allowing himself to be grinded. Well, I was upon. about to correct myself, but no, I thought the moment but, had gone. No, no, he was like, no, definitely doing back the grinding. Yeah, he was not, no. Urban Meyer I'm not was saying not he's doing innocent. He was doing the drinking. Yes. No, she was doing the grinding. He was allowing the grinding. Right. Well, he wasn't dissuading her from grinding. Yeah, he was enjoying the grinding. Ross, why do you have to do that right now? What? Really, Ross? <laughs> really? 
We're just, cameras work. He's just talking about soccer. They're not going to be working tomorrow, by the way. I have to restart my computer. Just a heads up. Let's just get in front of that now. Oh, my gosh. Put money on it. Odds the camera works tomorrow. This place. Plus 300. Hopefully it works next. A possible last edition ever. Ever. Of the Mills Minute. And you won't want to miss it. Coming up next. All right. You also won't want to miss the Black Friday sale going on right now. You're not waiting till Black Friday. They started it at November 1st, and it is going right on through to Friday. Black Friday sale at Texas Mattress Makers. Go to TexasMattressMakers.com, get more details, but just know this. Whenever you decide to go into one of their six Houston area locations and get fitted for your mattress, you're going to be able to save up to 25% off handmade in Texas mattresses. You're going to get free cooling technology. You're going to get free box springs, and you're going to get 0% interest for 48 months. Give your body something to be thankful for this Thanksgiving season for years to come on a mattress from Texas Mattress Makers. The original location is on the east side of downtown. They've got one in Itascacita. They've got one in Baybrook, Katy, the Woodlands, and Richmond Rosenberg. You can go into their showroom. You can get fitted for a mattress that is going to give you and your partner, if you share that mattress, uh, just absolute comfort on every single level. Doesn't matter what ails you. They've got a mattress and a fit for you. Yuval and his amazing staff and crew are going to get you squared away, and you're going to pay so much less money and get such better quality from a local business at Texas Mattress Makers. Go to TexasMattressMakers.com, and remember, it's the best sleep at the best price guaranteed. Hey, it's Craig Ackerman. Four, three. Yeah! Listen to the home of the Rockets on your smart speaker. Just ask. Hey, Google, play Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. Back at you here on the A-Team. A lot of stuff we've uh, had a chance to get to today. One of the things we didn't get to is pretty important. We mentioned it a little bit in case you missed it with what Robert Sala did today with Zach Wilson. He did not commit to him as their starting quarterback moving forward. He didn't give the job to Mike White or Joe Elite Flacco, but he just didn't commit to Zach being the guy. Well, for the first time all season, all camp, all offseason, Lovey Smith did the same thing today. A little more vague, and he definitely used a real, I don't want to call it excuse, a real reason because the players aren't in today. The players will watch film on their own. The coaches will watch film on their own. He's not going to call Davis Mills or text him or snap him and say, hey, we're going to go with Kyle moving forward. He's going to wait till Tuesday when the players are back in the facility. If a change is going to be made, he's going to talk to them face-to-face. He's going to have a conversation. Thanksgiving dinner. Something like that. So that's why he said, you know, <laughs> while we are looking at things and while, you know, do we need to do things differently? Yes. He said all those things. He give wasn't, thanks. You're still on the roster. Yeah, he didn't give any specifics, but acknowledged, again, normally he's answered that question very simply. Davis Mills is our starting quarterback. He gives us the best chance to win. That's what he usually says. That was not said today. That's all precursor to our latest installment. And again, I don't know if we will uh, change it to the uh, Allen anecdotes moving forward. If Hard Kyle pass. Allen I'm is the um, new pass. starting quarterback, it, they'll, he, he won't give reason for me to do a segment like this because his answers won't be quite as and vanilla. But Davis makes it fun for me to really come up with a, a parody version of what I could get from Davis Mills if you put one minute on the clock. I'm going to start once you start talking. Davis, 
at what point yesterday afternoon did you feel like the game was lost? Turn the ball over for pick six on the second play of the game. Uh, can't have that. So what happened there? Is that on you? Good play by the defender. Uh, might have left the ball a hair inside, and he had a really good jump on it and ended up uh, getting in the way and making a good play. What were your emotions after that pick six? Not much emotions after the play. you got to flush it really fast and go back out there because you're about to get the ball right back. Been a pretty good teammate. You haven't really played the blame game. Do you want to change that now? Props their D-line, their front seven. Uh, if you can't win your one-on-one matchups up front, that's tough. Ooh, so the issues were not scheme-related. We weren't really caught off guard with what they were doing on defense. We just got to find a way to execute better um, and win, win our matchups. If you could make a slogan or a T-shirt for this season, what would it say on it? Mentality is the same when you come to the building each week. You got another one? Any team is capable of winning in this league. And by any team, do you mean the team that you're facing? Props to their defense. Um, they had a good game plan and uh, won a lot of matchups up front. They have, I mean, extremely good players. There's a reason uh, they get paid, too. They get paid, too. So the T-shirts that could be made, and we always allow our contestants to finish their question, their answer, if the time was... The question was already finished, just like a regular game show. If you could make a slogan or a t-shirt for this season, what would it say on it? Mentality's the same every week. That was my week. favorite part, by the Mentality's way. Mentality's the, the same when you come to the building each week. Or if we had to go with a different idea for the year on a t-shirt. Any team's capable of winning in this league. He's carried that one with him most of the season. And while they've had a lot of games, that was a play here, a play there, or a conversion here, or a Tip ball there. M -m 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 Most of those games are now really drifting away from that. It's a little. That's I think why the disappointment is there. And I still want to go back to the 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 balance of it all. You know, our whole interview with uh, Brian T. Smith, his whole back and forth with Lovey for two days. Same with all the other reporters. Like Brian mentioned, it was far from uh, Brian's question was nowhere near the first question. The same questions or those like it were all asked prior to that because. That appears to be such an obvious where we should go next. And all of those things are on one side of the conversation. The other side of the conversation is the unfun part of continuing to be a fan when you know they need to lose. The players aren't going out there to lose. They don't spend all week preparing and then going out there to lose. The players, that's not, in, that's not what they're there for. It's not why Christian Kirksey's on this team. It's not why Jerry Hughes is here. It's not why the younger players are here. And it can be very debilitating I think for some of the younger players to not know anything but bad football losing football anybody that was drafted by Nick Casario that's all they know last year or this year they know tremendously bad football and the fact is you got two wins last year with Davis Mills as the starter in 11 games you have one win this year with Davis Mills as a starter in 10 games by the way that's just insane that you've won three times since you brought in 21 games that's what Cal's going to lead with when he fires Lovey, right? Well, we had David Coley here, and he won four no, games. No, I mean, it, it's true. They they are a worse team because you're measured by record. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of different things you could look at, and I mentioned them countless times this year. Like, are we sleeping on that, though? Seriously, we brought up with Brian T. Smith. There's going to be so much attention on the quarterback whenever they decide to do that. When do you pull the trigger on the coach? Well, let's, let's focus in on that first. So... It's pretty clear that Mills is playing more poorly in 2022 than he did in 2021. Even if you take the whole season, definitely much worse than he did at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Worse. So what's happened? 
Well, the schedule's different. They've changed offensive coordinators. Yeah. And anything else that should have made him worse? No, because it's literally the opposite. The offensive line, still bad, better, because Larry Tunsil's on it. Tunsil and Howard, even yesterday, both very good yeah, again. It's just your, the interior. Wide, your wide receiver core. Yeah, Brandon Cooks isn't playing well, but I'm going to bet that's mostly Davis Mills' fault. And if you, have you a rookie watch. of the year running back. Yep. You have solid tight end production. You have what's supposed to be a better offensive coordinator. There is zero excuses for why this offense isn't better. Unless first, Pep's not good. And that's, you know, the one big play they had yesterday. The crosser to Brandon Cooks, which got him matched up on a linebacker, which is brilliant, ideal, and he runs for 40 yards because, of course, he runs right past 42. him. 42. Turns the corner. 41. Um, <laughs> okay, so... We run that play once every millennium. Who's how do they not recognize how every other team in the league runs plays that create mismatches? Get a linebacker on him or run five wides and get this matchup you're looking at or run him behind a pick, which are legal when you don't run into them on purpose or get caught. Just plays that everybody has in their playbook. And I know when your interior line can't block for more than one tick, some of those plays would never have time to develop, but they're just not there. Like They did clearly game plan. Pep put a game plan in place and scripted plays with full knowledge that they were going to get destroyed up front. That's why you call all those one-step drop, throw it behind the line on a wide receiver screen over and over and over again. Problem is they don't have the personnel to pull it off because the player they're throwing it to isn't fast enough to run by everybody and the tackle or guard or wide receiver or tight end they've got to lead block either can't get there in time or isn't strong enough to make the block. That's why those plays almost always go nowhere with the personnel they have out there. So it is a combination of everything. Again, changing quarterbacks is the only thing in the NFL you really can do that makes any real difference. If they had reserves that were even capable I mean, I know it's not really helpful for Kenyon Green to be on the bench, but it's not helpful for him to have three or four plays a game that are blown up because he's just not prepared for that. I don't mean bench him forever. I mean, if they had talent to put them out there for two, three series, you know, a a half after this has happened, whatever. They do it with their defensive backs. I don't know why Jalen Petrie would ever be on the sidelines for Eric Murray, but it happened again this week. Last week he was out there for Jonathan Owens. Eric Murray's not a good NFL player. It's an indictment of their roster. Again, all the way back to the same Mickey. person. It's to Nick Casario. And that particular player is one of those players that shouldn't even be there, but he decided to, oh, let's just push his dead money off into the future and let's re-sign and restructure a player who doesn't help us win games. Let's by just the way, keep doing that. By the way, Jack Easterby's parting shot still lasts. What's that? Nick Casario. Oh, his parting shot? Well, it's yeah. You know, I had a big conspiracy theory about uh, about the Astros, and I never got to it. If you're saying that his parting shot is basically, well, I know I'm not long for this job with what's happened to Bill, so I'm going to make you hire Nick, and look what's going to happen. Well, he's tiny, kind of did. Well, if Nick turns out to be poor, which I'm ready to say, I, I think we might be headed in that direction. But we'll get to that. Uh, wanted to tell you about my good friends over at Classic Chevy Sugarland and Classic. Chevy Highway 6. We talk about them all the time here on this program because it's great to be a part of the family over at Classic Chevy Sugarland and Classic Chevy Highway 6. And all three of us are. 
Uh, I want to welcome Brian Lima from the uh, morning show, the Sean Salisbury Show, to the family as well. The iHeartRadio family is growing. Your family, working with these people, a classic Chevy Sugarland, a classic Chevy Highway 6 can grow as well. And they got a lot of great things going on over there for you to find that new vehicle of your dreams, especially if it's a custom Silverado. Right now at five ninety nine down or five ninety nine a month with approved credit. Lease options right now like two ninety nine down or two ninety nine a month with approved credit. All as you enjoy working with the GM dealer of the year now twelve years in a row. The individually owned and operated, family owned and operated. Jeff and Tiffany Sebastian doing great work, and it's holiday season again. So that means it's time for the classic Chevy Sugarland fifth annual Toys for All holiday drive, and as part of that. Beginning now, you can drop off any new unopened toy between now and December 8th to support the children of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Big event coming up. We'll have more details on that. But if you're looking for that new car of your dreams, classic Chevy Sugarland or classic Chevy Highway 6, and tell them Adam Wexler sent you by. Adam Clanton. Adam Wexler. Back to Houston's A-Team on Sports Talk 790. Final segment of the program today, an episode of the Nightcap follows, and then one of the top five teams in the country will play here when the Longhorns take on Northern Arizona, moved up in the rankings, as did the University of Houston Cougars. Big win over Gonzaga recently for UT, big win over Oregon last night for the Cougars on the road. Uh, I'm going to read a list of players that are uh, trending right now as in searched a lot, on uh, Baseball Reference. You tell me when uh, I come up with a player you think we need to talk about real quickly before we call it a day. Cody Bellinger, Aaron Judge, Justin Verlander, Asdrubal Cabrera. Neither one of you guys saw the Asdrubal Cabrera video? I don't think I have. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he uh, he gets through a tantrum, right? Because someone hit a homer off him? Yes. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Well, I thought uh, Bellinger might be getting some discussion, too. Right. Cody Bellinger, Aaron Judge, Justin Verlander, Asdrubal Cabrera. I should have said, which one doesn't fit? Well, that's true. That's on me. So, Venezuelan Winter League going on Saturday. Cabrera is playing the field. Carlos Castro is at the dish. And Castro gets a hold of one. Watches it go. Admires it. And gives a nice little bat flip. And the first base dugout is occupied by the opposing team. He does appear to take a gander in that direction as he flips his bat and then makes his way towards first base. Words already begun to be shared by he and those coming out of the dugout when Cabrera comes across from his infield position. And as Castro rounds first base... He tries to punch him in the face. He basically ends up hitting him in the face with his forearm because he clotheslines him. So people hit homers. They celebrate. And if it's too much much of a celebration, then you should go ahead and start a fight and punch them. Is that right? Why is that still a thing in baseball, though? I, and I mean, like, all of the rules, but especially that one. Like, you know. Like, don't we, we like the celebration, but are we okay then still acknowledging there's a line. No, because then that line gets crossed and people like this guy think that that's how it needs to be handled. I am actually prefer it to be handled like that. 
Because if he doesn't, the pitcher was actually screaming his head off at him. So what do you think would have happened if Cabrera didn't start a fight? He would have thrown at the next guy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's all fair to say. All the but... repercussions are almost, or the retaliations, I should say, are almost always dumb and wrong and stupid. You just have, you, we, are we just supposed to trust that the player knows how much he can celebrate? Or is it strictly, you can do whatever you want as long as it's not pointed or directed or clearly in an antagonistic way directly at the other team or pitcher? Because if mean, you're just celebrating honestly, yourself, if you're just, I you know, think it's Tucker bat flips, I don't think anybody wants to throw it in. I think it's pretty complicated because like some of Jordan's bat flips in the World Series run. I was just about to bring I thought he up. was going to hurt his own teammates with like, how hard yeah. he threw the bat towards his well, own dugout. I don't think any of them crossed the line. The first one of the playoffs but almost honestly, did decapitate a few Astros. Mm-hmm. But, but honestly, if if you got a softie on the mound, it's going to turn into a story. And that's what I think is the problem is that and why there's no clear answer because... It just depends on how soft you are. Like Joe Kelly? Like, you can't be like the guy... Who was the dude from the Braves? The relief pitcher? John Rocker? <laughs> what, no, tell us it, the situation. Wasn't there a guy this year where, when the Braves played the Astros in the regular season, he was, like, freaking out? As no, it was Cleveland. Cleveland. That, I don't remember his that name. That douche. I can't remember his name. But, like, you only say Karen that... check. But, like... Yeah, that's him. The Astros didn't react to it. So nor, nor should they. He's not saying, I not got you. He's saying, I... Did something which I'm happy about, and like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think a lot of time, but an, another team might be throw a tantrum about that. But and their like, guys, but that's the thing. Now Hector Neris does it when he comes off the mound. Ryan Stanek does it when no, he comes off the mound. They all do, all, that, except for Christian Javier and Phil Maton. But <laughs> don't the other teams have Phil Maton? Well, he still gets to his locker, and, that's, and he takes out his emotions there. Well, maybe just, that'll change in the future. It was just a hit versus brother, too, man. Well, maybe they have. So a, we never addressed this part. Do you think his brother feels bad? No, he's gonna give him so much grief in about three days. Honestly, at like, dinner, like, what do you say? So all that happened, you and idiot. then their teams played in the World Series. I wanted to, to say, which it, Joe, Phil's team won. We're walking around out there and in the clubhouse, and he's walking around wherever I run into him, and he's got this stupid <laughs> cast on his hand, and I can't keep from like I wanted to walk up to him and be like, "You're an idiot!" Like you, they could have used you. Like no, you know, he probably would. He would have been in the. He no, would have been in the underused the two, portion of the bullpen. That the two biggest decisions were made for the Astros from a pitching standpoint. Will Smith was constantly left off the roster, or just told you cannot use him in some way, shape, or form. And Phil Maton did them a favor too. He, like I said, I, I think you're he right. He probably so would have made last it year, last, last year. I yeah, don't th- I don't think they would have given him the baseball. Yeah, he probably would have pitched in the Arcadi game in the World Series, and that's it. I mean, yeah, you had to fight to get. Well, I guess he would have pitched in the, in the 18. Stanek couldn't get out there, but that right. was for different reasons. Well, Seth Martinez was on the roster and did not pitch. Right, and Will Smith was then on the roster and did not pitch. Arcadi only made one appearance. By the way, I love Stanek. Stanek's gonna be on this show soon. Stanek is enjoying his honeymoon. He is enjoying the crap out of that honeymoon. As They're in should. Paris today at the Eiffel Tower. So Amsterdam to Paris? They're all going all over Europe. Having a good time. Weren't they in Italy too? Or am I mistaken? Or am I thinking of Ver- Verlander two, uh, five years ago? Uh, very easily could be confused with oh, Verlander's really. wedding I mean, for five years ago. Pitchers win World Series here and then go get married. That's what they do. Yep. You mentioned uh, Brandon Bielak did the same. Oh, yeah. He got married. He was on the taxi squad. He was the, in the, the locker the, room celebrating. The lesser Clubhouse. visible wedding that happened right after the series. Yes. Less less visible. Ross has got you next. Joe is here with you for that as well. We return tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Lovey Smith and his players will all be in the facility tomorrow. 
So it's very possible that news about a change of starting quarterback is on the horizon for the one-win Texans. For AC, for Jill, Wex here. Looking forward to it. Matt will love to hear me say, two more work days this week <laughs> here on the A-Team. The A-Team. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.